Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, Thomas and Caballeros. Welcome back to another edition of Leaving Radio. I'm your host, Dave Duenas, with my co-host, Mr. Gabriel Montoya. Well, this past weekend, you had Gennady Golovkin get back in the ring. His debut on The Zone at the Madison Square Garden uh, right after the upset win of uh, Andy Ruiz over Anthony Joshua. Um, you know, there was a lot of mixed feelings that I saw out there between fans and even like Triple G fans that they were commenting immediately after the fight of him stopping Stephen Rose in the fourth round uh, with the crushing left hook. That, he, that it, it, surprisingly, he was in the uh, southpaw stance when he threw the shot and he landed it. So, you know, a lot of overwhelming emails about Triple G, about our thoughts and what we think, what's next for him. Uh, Gabriel Montoya was going back and forth with a lot of Gennady uh, Golovkin fans. Uh, Gennady Golovkin was suspended from Twitter. I, I don't, you know, there's a couple of uh, of reasons some people have suggested why. But um, let me let me tell you this. I, I, I said this on Twitter. I was like, listen, every time Gennady Golovkin fights a no hope opponent, I always hear the same things, and and, and surprisingly, it's from his own fans. It's not from like other guys, you know, guys that are rooting for Canelo or guys that are rooting for uh, uh, Demetrius Andrade, if he has a lot of fans or not. Because uh, some folks are going to tell me, he doesn't have any fans. He's got like five fans, right? But BJ Saunders fans or anybody like that. So it, it, it comes from the Triple G fans. They say he looks old. Um, he's getting hit a lot. And the reason he's getting hit a lot is because he's not as active as he used to be. And, 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 you know, 37 years, he's 37, you know, years are catching up. Uh, the most avoided guy, it's got wear and tear on him, even though he was avoided and, and didn't really fight that many folks. Um, but this is the way he looks. And, and when I'm reading this, I'm like thinking like, dude, are they preparing themselves if Triple G does uh, get knocked out or something? Because it's really weird how, they, how they're, they're, you know, tweeting and posting this. You know, and so what I said was this. Here's what I said. What I see is a guy that fights to his opposition. Uh, when he felt Cal Brook, uh, I remember everybody was like, dude, he doesn't look good. He looks shot. Um, he's getting hit a lot. And I said, uh, was he getting hit a lot because he was looking old and shot, or was he getting hit a lot because he didn't respect the guy's power? I have to go back with Stephen Rose. I don't think he respected anything that, that Stephen Rose threw at him, even though Steve threw a, a beautiful right hand that landed and turned his cheek. But Golovkin was not having problems finding him, catching him, the way he did with, like, uh, uh, Canelo, um, which was a very close fight uh, both times that they went around. Um, he saw that he was able to to, you know, push him back, get him against those ropes, land the shots that he wanted to land at any moment, at any time. Did he take leather? Absolutely, but it's, this is boxing. And, and I, I see a lot of punchers 
that if they're able to, you know, take one to land, well, I'll give you this. You know, Julio Cedric Chavez uh, uh, Sr. was notorious for this. He was able to eat three to land one big one. And that's how he wore down his opponents, and that's how he stopped them later on in his career. Uh, Gennady Golovkin, to me, is, is almost in like that kind of a trend. You know, he, he takes the shots, and he's able to dish one big one or, or two or three to, to get his opponent broken down so he can later get that KO. And in four rounds, I mean, I, I, mean, I could see if, if it was ten rounds, then you could say, like, oh, man, he looks really old. It took him a really long time to get started. And, 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 you know, that time, all the time's catching up to him. And, you know, he's not that active. So this is the reason why, you know, it took him 10 or 12 rounds to, to beat a guy that he's supposed to beat. That I would agree with you. But, man, three, four rounds, I mean, I didn't see anything different than what he did in Monterosian and Kel Brook and, or lesser opponents. You know, I mean, um, he's kind of built his name off of knocking guys out that don't belong in the ring with him. So... Where do I stand with Triple G? I think that, you know, he's still a very fresh, young, 37-year-old uh, guy, um, you know, that, that's got a great amateur pedigree, got good power. But I say this like I've always said about fighters that step up, fighters that fight, the fight they finally fight the top elite, that a lot of times we find out how powerful they are because you got to land – more than one big punch to stop an elite fighter, a guy that's that that is supposed to be, you know, your defining moment, right? And I've seen this from a lot of guys that have good punch, guys that are able to knock out lesser uh, opponents. They they lay them out, they get them out, they're quick. But then once they get in with the guy that is supposed to test the boundaries, it's really not the same. You know, they they're the other guys able to neutralize your best weapon or two. And and it's up to that that one fighter that we we fell in love with, or we think that he's the monster, the Godzilla of the division, to find another road, another path, another alley to go through, to find a way to get that person out of there, or to win decisive rounds. So again, Triple G did exactly what he's supposed to do to a guy that knew, nobody knew about. Uh, I, I mean, I didn't even know. I saw this when I was like doing a little bit of research on Steve Rose, uh, that he was on zone. I didn't know that. Did any of you guys knew, know that? You know, he was fighting what? Leather Woods, I believe his last name was. And, and um, I sat there and I scratched my head. I was like, oh, okay. Well, you know, he could fight in the inside a little bit. You know, he, he's not that bad. Um, but he doesn't have a jab. Doesn't move very well. So that just told me, well, this is the reason why they picked the guy. You know, you don't have to cut the ring off. You don't have to counterpunch the guy. You could actually trade with the man, and if you get there first, you're more likely to take him out. And that's exactly, exactly what we saw, Gabriel. Yeah, I mean, uh, I didn't really understand why people – I didn't really understand why this fight was happening. But I guess, you know, Golovkin needed some rust remover. After being off for almost a year, for like nine months, you know, he took uh, he took a bunch of time off. While in the meantime, Canelo Alvarez continued to build his brand. He got to DAZN first, picked up a title. Uh, however you feel about that title versus Rocky Fielding, 
um, spectacular fashion, moving into another division and back down to defend against Danny Jacobs, uh, who held the WBA version, another version of the WBA title that, that Canelo Alvarez had. Um, he cleaned up that middleweight business as I think the you know, middleweight champion, that's, you know, you got to face your mandatories, but then, you know, you also have to unify, especially in this era where you've got the WBA kind of trying to have it both ways. They realize, you know, and this is not based on any reporting. I'm just watching what they're doing. I mean, you've got the PBC universe, you've got the, the ESPN universe, you know, PBC being Fox Showtime universe. And then you've got, uh, you know, the ESPN top rank universe, and then you've got Golden Boy on DAZN. Now, sometimes when it's advantageous, you know, one of those entities moves into the other. Like, you know, what we saw with, with basically the hostile takeover of the heavyweight division uh, by the PBC, by having Andy Ruiz, who's an Al Heyman fighter, come on DAZN and upset the apple cart, and Anthony Joshua knocking him down four times, taking his title. If he can do it twice, you know, now the PBC has Deontay Wilder, and uh, Andy Ruiz holding down the entire division. Uh, that's, you know, that's the flagship division in all of boxing. Um, this wasn't going to be that night. And what was interesting is, is, you know, listening to the broadcasters, I really like Brian Kenny. Um, I, I like Chris Mannix's work, but I, I got to be honest, I, I feel like, and I think Sergio Mora, I would take him over Paulie Malinaji as a color analyst, uh, you know, just every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Um, not an annoying voice, has good things to say, uh, lets you know that he was a fighter and a champion, but not in an arrogant sort of way. Um, but I, you know, I would take him out of this mix, but I think Brian and Chris, uh, man, they're just selling you the fight so hard, you know? And I know I'm not looking at, at blow by blow analysis or analysts for my you know, actual boxing coverage, but it's an interesting thing. And it's just something I'll put on the table for the rest of the show for people to discuss if they want. Um, just how many writers have been kind of swooped up by the, the you know, ESPN, by DAZN, and by the PBC universe, and how they're kind of moving back and forth. Uh, and, you know, it's like you're working for the sport that you're covering. I, I guess the NFL and MLB have all kind of trained us for this uh, with, you know, the, the amount of coverage of the amount of games that they have on TV. So they need a bunch of people to cover it and a bunch of people that are color analysts. So you've seen that, you know, Thing. And, and we've seen reporters do it, but it's strange to see it happening kind of in tandem. Like Larry Merchant wasn't a beat reporter, I don't believe, in, you know, at least certainly in the later stages of his career, when he was working for HBO. He was just working for HBO. Uh, what we've got here is guys that are working for publications and then also working for the entity that's putting on the fight. I just find that to be a very strange thing. But back to Triple G, I, I thought he looked fine for being off for nine months. He's got a new trainer got him to move his upper body, got him to move his waist, remember his defense. I didn't think he got hit all that much. He got hit a few times, but, you know, he wasn't Pernell Whitaker. He's known for knocking people out, not for his defense. So his style, he's going to take some punches, but he wasn't even taking the customary Chavez senior three punches to take one. No, Um, he wasn't. Not really. I I just thought that dude was falling in a bit. Um, You know, Steve Rolls, like you said, he didn't move very well. He had a jab, doesn't really use it all that often. And, you know, he's a guy that came to the sport late. I mean, what was annoying was how much they were. And I guess, you know, when you're, when you need those subscriptions and you're a new entity, particularly, you know, the, the, these stores, um, you got to use everything at your disposal. And so all through the fight, we kept hearing out, well, you know, Steve Rolls, you know, Andy Ruiz last week, you know, he, he uh, shocked the world. Nobody picked him, but it's like completely taking things out of context. I mean, nobody had heard of Steve Rolls. 
Everybody right. thought that, that Joseph Parker lost to Steve Rolls and, or to Andy Ruiz and that he should have had a title. Everybody knew who he was before that. Um, and, you know, we, while he wasn't picked, I don't think there was anybody that thought that Andy would get blown over. Uh, you know, I, I didn't think he would. I thought he'd get stopped later, but I thought he would be a problem for, for Anthony Joshua throughout. Uh, nobody feels that way about Steve Rolls. Uh, there was nothing to suggest that he was going to get the knockout. Um, I mean, this is kind of what Triple G does, right? He picks a guy with not a lot of knockouts, you know, 19 uh, wins, now one loss, 10 KOs. He started, you know, uh, he turned pro at like, what, 27? He's 35 years old. Um, he turned pro in 2011. He had a good amateur career, but, I mean, kind of turned pro late. This is Triple G does. Not a big puncher, not even proven at 160, had been off for a, you know, uh, quite a long time when Triple G decided to face him. Um, you know, uh, I mean, Danny Jacobs, Saul Alvarez, those are good punchers, although Saul's not looking like a, a 100 quitter at, at 160. I mean, he did it to, you know, fielding at 168. But, uh, you know, I, I kind of wonder if that's an anomaly. Um, Dominic Wade was a mandatory uh, but also a guy that, you know, we're probably never going to hear about 20 wins, 14 KOs coming into that fight. Now he's got the one loss and, you know, not a lot going on afterwards. He's got a couple, couple fights, uh, but he took, you know, three years off after that. Barely started fighting this year again uh, against no hopers. Um, so, you know, I mean, it, it's like somebody said, uh, you know, it was uh, Juan from San Diego reached out on Twitter and said, you know, this is why I don't. Go with the eye test, quote unquote. Trust your eyes. This guy's great. I mean, I heard that about Felix Verdejo. We heard that about Panchito Bajado. This is the best prospect I've ever seen. And that career. And you don't know what a guy's like when he's facing equal opposition that gives him professional resistance. Steve Rolls wasn't going to give that. This was just a show. Um, and off of this, and nine months off, in the meantime, Canelo has picked up two belts or you know, cleaned up a WBA belt, picked up a belt in another division. Triple G was off for a year, calling himself the people's champion uh, and kind of turning into heel Triple G, I guess. Um, why, why does that fight need to be next? Because they're both signed to the zone and everybody has no imagination. Um, it seems to me that there's another guy on the zone named Demetrius Andrade, and he's basically the hot potato of the 160-pound division. Um, nobody wants to face him. All of a sudden, having a title belt and being on the same network as two other champions uh, in his division, th- th- now there's no reason to face him? I don't understand. I mean, Danny oh, he's Jacobs not, is he's a, not deserving he, is the, is the term now uh, yeah. that I'm hearing a lot. He's not deserving wait, 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 of is, fighting Triple G. <laughs> which is strange because you know who his number one contender is, his mandatory? Triple G. So, it doesn't. Um, you know, I mean, you look at the middleweight division right now, and this is what I was getting at earlier. Uh, I kind of got off, off the, off the rails there with my talk about media, but they're not pointing this out. And it you kind of makes you kind of wonder why, um, look at the middleweight division. You've got Saul Alvarez, uh, and Jamal Charlo and, and Charlo shared that WBC belt with Golovkin for quite some time. Uh, I think that fight was even ordered and then ignored, but now Golovkin is the number one contender. But Jamal Charlo has a version of the WBC belt with Saul Canelo Alvarez, who is the lineal middleweight champion above all of this. Um, Now, Saul has the WBA belt and the IBF belt. But suddenly, Rob Brandt uh, was in the mix. You know, remember, it was Danny Jacobs that had uh, 
the uh, IBF belts rather. Right. Um, but Saul Alvarez and you know now Rob Brandt has this WBA belts. Um, they've got to clear that up. I don't really understand what it is they're doing except to say that maybe the 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 uh, the WBC and the WBA realize that the networks these guys are probably never going to fight each other the way networks and the promotional battles are. So they're creating belts in a division so that they can get paid twice by both factions. Why does Rob Brandt have the WBA title? I mean, he picked it up from uh, Ryota Murata. We know that. But why did he have it? Why, does, why are there two belts in both those sanctioning bodies? It makes no sense. But, you know, the IBF, Dervinchenko is there as the number one contender. That guy's been waiting for his shot for a while. And Demetrius Andre is there, uh, you know, at the WBO. It just doesn't make sense to not fight that guy soon. It just, like, as a storyline, like, I get it. We've seen them twice. Everyone is like, this is the rivalry. Why is Canelo Alvarez versus Gennady Golovkin 3 the only fight that makes any sense? Because it's the most money? But we've already made money on that fight twice. Twice. You know, Demetrius Andre, 27-0, 17 KOs, um... You know, he picked up the vacant belt, uh, uh, you know, against uh, Kadendakwa back in uh, October of 2018. Defended it against Archer Akavov. He's about to defend it against uh, Masil uh, Sulecki. Uh, so, you know, uh, once that fight's done at the end of the month, it's kind of open season for the middleweight. You know, I just get it just seems I like unification the, should be on the menu. Well, I get the whole sense of this is even if there was an immediate rubber match, which I see guys are like, I, we want, you know, Triple G, uh, he deserves a rematch, which makes no sense because they already fought twice. But mm-hmm. I just get the sense that they had a rubber match immediately. And let's, and a lot of folks are picking Canelo to win this third, third fight, you know, because of how he looked in the second, in the, in the rematch, and how he looked against Danny Jacobs versus how he, uh, Gennady Golovkin looked against Rose, right? Right, right. And, and, so I just get this whole sense that even if a, if a rubber match happens immediately and the Gennady Golovkin fans don't get that satisfaction that they're kind of yearning for, the way Marquez was yearning for uh, uh, against uh, Pacquiao, they're not going to be happy. They're going to ask for a fourth and fifth fight until they get what they believe their man deserves. You know, um, that to me seems more of a of – a, of a journey that they're on rather than really looking at the landscape of, of, of the middleweight division of that. The fact that the, there can be some really great matches, you know, made. Um, and I, I also find it real weird when I hear guys go, well, titles don't really matter. And, you know, the zones a, a subscription based and da, 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 da. Well, guys, I mean, HBO is subscription based. Didn't we subscribe yeah. to that because of title fights? How, well, how is it, it that it, all it, of a sudden we don't believe in title fights anymore? How is it that marketing a title fight is no longer in existence because these two guys fought and, and because these two guys fought that a unification fight wouldn't sell more to a casual fan? You know, yeah, it, I, makes, I, I, it makes, no, that makes sense. no sense to me. You know, now, now, granted that I would love to see the rubber match. I, I, I was with everybody else was saying, man, if that fight happened, I was like, I'd like to see that fight happen. I think it would be a great fight again. You know, uh, um, I understand that some folks are looking for, for closure. But, you know, to say that, that titles don't matter or that, 
you know, this this is such a money fight. They need subscription. Well, we're talking about uh, casual fans because the zone's getting the hardcore fan. They're they're bringing them in. So I thought networks. If, if titles didn't matter titles. to a subscription service, yeah. uh, World Championship Boxing on HBO wouldn't be a thing, and HBO Boxing After Dark wouldn't have been created, which was basically a pathway from. The you know Prospectville, Contenderville, or you know the crossroads bout at the end of a career, and then you know propelling you back into World Championship Boxing Series. What uh, sounds better to you? Let me ask you this. Let me ask anybody you want to call in three four seven two one five seven five nine eight. Join us. Let me know what you think. But what sounds better as a marketing uh, uh, pitch? Uh, Gennady Golovkin versus Canelo, the rubber match. Triple G wants revenge. Or Gennady Golovkin versus Canelo, a unified championship fight plus revenge. Which one sounds right. better? <laughs> I mean, once for Which all the marbles. Sounds, I mean, this yeah. is what I don't get. It's like if the belts didn't matter, then Danny Jacobs and, and Canelo wouldn't have fought. I mean, it's a tough matchup. Danny brought a lot to the table and experience, arguably beat Triple G. Uh, None of that mattered. It was the belt. And Canelo already had a belt. He already was the lineal champion. He had the WBA belt, the WBC belt. Why did he need another one? Because unification matters. What, it matters. Like, why are we all excited about the World Boxing Super Series? Because those are leading to unification matches. The best yeah. fighting the best, right? I mean, that's, yep. I've been hearing this. It's, you know, I've been watching boxing my whole life. I'm 46. I'll just put 40 years on it. Uh, it may have been younger than that when I saw my first boxing match. Um, you know, I remember watching Ali on you know ABC Wild, Wide World of Sports as a kid. Uh, it, it seems to me that these trends kind of happen, where there's a guy that is around so long and we know his name so well that we get sold that he doesn't need the belt anymore. Barrera was that guy for a minute. Um, he stopped wanting to be dictated by the sanctioning bodies, wanted to take those big money fights towards the end of his career. Totally understandable. Uh, you know, but Triple G hasn't shown that on pay-per-view that he's a big draw on his own. He needs other people. Um, there's a reason why he's, you know, for roles? He, well, yeah, I, I don't know what his numbers were for roles, but um, I imagine they weren't what Canelo's were, but I could be wrong. If somebody could hit me with that, that'd be great. Um, but it just seems to me that, that uh, for some reason, I guess it's just Triple G fans, they're treating him like he's the pay-per-view draw, like he's the guy that has the resume that, that Canelo does, um, and he isn't that guy. You know, even, I mean, it's, what's annoying is like being logical and like look, breaking down a career and seeing it for what it is is being called a hater these days. Uh, I was talking about Triple G long before any of these folks were. Uh, I, I was talking about Triple G back when the next round was a half hour webcast that you could only see if you're a subscriber to Max Boxing. That's how long it's been I've been talking about this guy. Uh, don't yeah, tell Gennady, me that I'm a Triple G hater. <laughs> yeah, we had Abel on the show. Um, Abel and you know, like, Golovkin on the show. <laughs> and I've been critical of Gennady, and Abel still talks to me. He's able to handle it. Um, you know, but you look at that resume, and it's like there's, you know, Lemieux, Stevens, um, Kasim Uma, and then you know Jacobs and uh, and Canelo. Those are the best fights. 
You know, I mean, there's, you know, I guess you could look at Giel uh, or Macklin, but I mean, you know, re, are, are those really the greatest wins in the world? Uh, like, you know, I don't mean to like just sit there and trash a guy's whole career, but it's like I'm being sold this bill of goods and then I'm supposed to defer to this person. And I keep being sold like, well, this is happening for this reason. Like, you, you're telling me that that he couldn't beat Derevchenko? That was too much of a risk? And why is it? Why is Canelo the only guy in the division? Like, he didn't want to risk anything, you know, that rematch with Canelo by fighting Derevchenko. So we've pulled Vladis Martirosian up a division out of mothballs and beat him down and then said, I respect boxing and we're it's, champions. It's that whole, I'm supposed to be excited whole, about that. Right. It's you know? the whole Stephen A. Smith syndrome. You know, if there's an upset, you no longer want to see that guy because it's not that good of a fight anymore. And I, and I get that where Gennady Golovkin's fans fear that if he loses to Dimitris or he loses to Danny Jacobs in a rematch that He's never going to get the Canelo fight. You know, let me, let me make this. I, I was talking to you when you were tweeting to all the folks. You were going back and forth, and I was working my ass off in the sun over 104 degrees. And we were, you were calling me. You know, we were calling back each other back and forth. And, and I was telling you, I was like, you know, Marquez wanted – he was obsessed in fighting Pacquiao. But in between that, he went off and fought Casitas. He went and fought out uh, Juan the Baby Bull Diaz. He went and fought all these other guys and, and had some good wins and had some losses in between them. And he sat and he waited patiently. And he did exactly what a, a, a fighter is supposed to do, which is if you're going to play chess in the business, you corner your guy that they finally have to say, well, shit, I got to fight this guy because, you know, I've been waiting for Floyd Mayweather and it's not going to happen. So the best next option is for me to fight Marquez because the bastard doesn't want to go away. If I'm Gennady Golovkin and I'm his fans, I'm like, hey, fight all the guys that are available. So he, Canelo is basically forced to now face you. If you if you hounded Danny Jacobs, who lost on the decision against Canelo and said, hey, you know what? He didn't because he, he, he remember Triple G said um, he didn't look. Uh, uh, what was it? What did he say? What was it? Was it he didn't look motivated or some shit like that? Right. Um it was a boring fight. And, and oh, it was passionless. and the, Yeah. It was pass Right, yeah. right. It, I would, after, immediately after that, if I was this PR guy, I would have said, hey, ask for a re- Say, I'll fight uh, Danny Jacobs. I'm going to knock him out. I'm going to show you why I'm the better guy, you know? And then, and then, and then go from there. If Canelo's talking about go, go get a bout, then I would have said, okay, then I'll fight Demetrius Andre because you don't want to fight him. You're scared of fighting him. So I'm going to go face this guy because this guy's athletic. This guy, this guy's look, gonna give you know, anybody in division trouble. Look at who Marquez fights after you know 2004 May is when they, they first fought to that disputed draw. Right. Uh, Marquez comes back with Orlando Salido in September of that year. He fights Victor Polo the following May. Uh, the ill-advised fight against Chris John. Uh, Chris John, uh, you know, is in uh, March of 2006. Uh, he comes back with Turdsek, uh, Jandang, still one of my favorite names in boxing. Then Jim Rex Jaka. 2007, he kicks off March. Marco Antonio Barrera. Then Rocky Juarez in, in November of that year. Then he finally gets that Pacquiao rematch four years later against, uh, you know, in, in uh, March of 2008. Loses that one, another disputed fight. Uh, excellent fight. I was there live. You know, he comes back with, he doesn't come back with a Steve Rolls. 
He comes back in September against Joel Casamayor and stops him. Uh, and he comes back Great fight the too. following <laughs> following oh, following February. He fights Juan Diaz for mm-hmm. three belts, one of them vacant because belts matter. And then he surprises everybody that following September, moves up to welterweight and fights Floyd freaking Mayweather Jr. Then he rematches Juan Diaz and Michael Katsidis, Licar Ramos, which is his first fight with Memo. Um, And then he gets Manny Pacquiao again, gets robbed, uh, you know, fights uh, Fedchenko uh, in in April, then comes back and finally gets that KO against Manny Pacquiao. Uh, You know, there's a lot of activity and there's a lot of high level opponents in there. There's very few gimmies in there. Very few Licar Ramoses. Uh, so when you say, like, why does Triple G need to do this or that, why doesn't he? What makes his resume so special? What is so special about his numbers that he doesn't need to do anything but dictate to the number one star in the sport? That makes no sense to me. None whatsoever. And now people you want know, to get I, rid of the belts and all that stuff. They want to move everything around for this guy. They want to move. He was the one talking about all the belts. And. Abel Sanchez was on this show saying, we don't care if Canelo, if we fight him in the ring for the belt, we just want the belt. And then Canelo got rid of the belt. Triple G got the belt. They still wanted the fight because they want the money because they're just like every other fighter. They want the money. Actually, so, he was, it was Cotto that had the belt, remember, at the time. And he said, well, it was and, Cotto, and both yeah. Of, yeah, they were on the show. And Abel Sanchez said to us, we, we don't care who has the belt. We don't even, it's, it's not about fighting Cotto. We just want the belts. We want all the belts. That's it. I, I get it, guys. I get it. You know, the Golovkin fans are, are frustrated, you know. Um, just like the way uh, Sergey Kovala, you know, when, when Sergey Kovala fought Andre Ward, I thought Kovala won. Even with uh, Triple G fighting Canelo the first time, I thought he won. Um, but, you know, I go back to, you know, uh, a nationalist fan is are the worst. You don't. You're not watching the the the, the beauty of 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 the sport. You're just watching because you want to see your guy win, and you're not accepting that boxing is not always about winning. Boxing is about how you come back. How do you you know break through barriers? You know you know when I hear guys go, he's the most avoided guy. He he's had it such a tough time, and and and. In boxing, no, like no other champ. I'm like more than Hagler. How about Martinez, Seriously. who's 150, you know, who's 154 and was having no luck because nobody wanted to see him. Not even HBO wanted the guy. That he had to go to 160 as an opponent to fight Kelly Pavlik. And when he wins the title, guess what? They still were trying to set the guy up to lose. Yeah, he still had to do catch weights. Uh, yeah, they don't even compare. In terms of how hard they had it. He was doing it against all odds. HBO wasn't putting him. Yeah, like, you know, Hagler didn't even get his, like, first title shot until what? Like, in his, like, 52nd something fight. I want to I say it was his 52nd. I could be wrong. But, you know, um, yeah, he was 49-2-2 two two in, that, in that fight with uh, Alan Minter. So y- you're telling me that... that uh, Triple G's had it rougher? Like, come on, dude. Like, they just... Uh, Triple G fans are just a, a rational group of people. 
They really are. I was telling a guy today, I, uh, we were, you know, uh, at one of my lots we were talking about, and I had asked him, like, do you want to see the, the rubber match right away? And he's like, no, nah, not really. I don't care, man. I don't, you know, I, I want to see what both guys would do with, with somebody else. But if it happens, it happens. And that's, that's a logical fan right there. I'm like that. You know, if the fight happens, of course I'm going to watch it. I'm not going to bitch and moan about it. I'm going to watch it. Yeah, right. right. You know, and then, uh, um, and then, uh, oh, shit, I already lost my. What, well, what I, I think that, uh, I'll just jump in since you forgot and you made me forget earlier. Um, <laughs> That's the thing. I think you know. I'm not against the trilogy. I just I'm like from a marketing standpoint. Why next? Like you said earlier, it's like if, if you know undisputed middleweight championship of the world, all the marbles and revenge is better than just. Well, Triple G th- thought he he won that first fight and thought he won the second fight, and they're not even that great of fights, Dave. People really. I, I had people trying to convince me how good it was, and I was like, okay, specifically. They were good. What? But they weren't. What great. moment do you remember from the first or second fight? Which moment? Uh, well, the first one wasn't memorable. I think the second one was more memorable. I like the there fact a, that there was a big both... right hand landed in the first one, and people were very excited about it. Um, right. In the second fight. I, I, I like the way. Moment? Pacific moment is just not Pacific moment. I just like the, that's what I'm saying. Tactics, the fights are moments, used. right? Right. But fights are moments, you know? right? We, you can't point to a specific round in either fight no. and go round of the year candidate. There wasn't one. It wasn't no, fight it, of the there year. No, there was no Andy Ruiz AJ, AJ moment in the third no third round. You know what I mean? There was nothing like that. You know. The At only all. reason they did the second one is because the judging in the first one was so shitty, and they made money, so they did it again. But I mean. I, I just oh this was this was my 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 what I was gonna say talking to that fight fan was because uh, he had asked me he's like you know so what do you think man you think he looks old you think that he a rubber match even would even matter I mean you don't think you'd get blown out and I said there's nothing I can't really tell you there was nothing there about Rose that can tell me anything to tell you the truth no you know it, it's I go it's a, kind of a you know a mirage when when promoters and, and networks do that you know. I mean, a tune-up fight. I mean, this is the baddest guy on the planet, on the middleweight division. Why is he getting such soft tune-up fights like this? I, I, if I remember correctly, when the fight was announced, a lot of Triple Gs jumped off the wagon because of that reason. But then he knocks the guy out, which I had made a joke about it because I rolled up to that lot and going, Triple G's back. And everybody started laughing, you know, because we knew that that was going to happen. Gonna knock out the guy, and then it's gonna go back to he's back. He's he's gonna do it again. Well, I mean, you know, not to get too big picture, but we're a capitalist society. We're inundated with advertising all the time, and I've noticed that people get like, well, you know, they'll either hold a promoter to what there's like if it's Delahoya or, or like Eddie Hearn. If they're doing their job in promoting a fight and building it up bigger than it, it is, everybody's like, these lying sacks of shit. But if a fighter does it, like Triple G, well, it's just promotion, bro. It's just marketing. You know, Mexican style. Relax about that. It's just marketing. He's just trying to find his, his demographic. Uh, Floyd saying it's going to be a knockdown, toe-to-toe contest, and I'm going to knock him out. It's just marketing when he always does the opposite. People are kind of used to, in a capitalist advertising-controlled world, they're used to being lied to. And I guess depending on how they feel about the fighter, they're either okay with it or they're not okay with it. Um, with triple G, I, I, what was annoying to me was being sold by writers and fans. He's a different type of fighter. He's not about the money. 
He's incredibly loyal. <laughs> I remember that. And like all these things have not really turned out to be that true. I mean, he's loyal no. to Tom Loeffler. Tom Loeffler's still there, but ask Abel Sanchez how he feels about it. And apparently Abel got shit talked to him last night on Twitter from that account, which got it suspended. Something about Mexican style. Uh, still don't know what it is. And if anybody has screenshots, please hit us up. Um, I'd like to know but, what happened. Yeah. Yeah, I really would too. But That's a uh, good boy. Yeah, he's a good boy. Problem no. with. I don't you know, honestly, you know what? You know, here's the thing. I don't hold he's, fighters. He's Gennady DIY fire. Golovkin. Right. I don't. I don't hold fighters to this whole persona that's being built. Uh, if anything, that turns me off. You know. Uh, uh, yeah. Like when I said about Wilder, you know, acting like a thug. You know, like dude, we know you're not. Like you're, you're trying too hard. I don't want to be sold a WWE character. If I want if I want that, if I want a script sold to me and a character. Dude, I'd be a Star Wars fan or a WWE fan, but I'm not. I'm not one of those. I like, I like the realism for me comes through the interpretation of fighting in the ring. That's that's real for me. Everything else doesn't really even matter. the The only guys that I would literally used to like to sit and listen to is, you know, as if you if you follow me for years, you would know I'm a Salvador Santos fan. I'm a huge Salvador Santos fan. I could watch the guys fights over and over, and every single, single time the guy fights, I could see and find something new. Marvelous Marvin Hagler. Guys, like, like, even like yourself, told me, you know, uh, uh, Gabriel, you're like, you know, uh, wasn't that exciting? M- not to you, but to me, he was. You know, I, I liked the finesse that he brought, and I liked how he changed. He evolved because of what the Who's the first guy I knew who would switch back and forth, you know? Right. Well, it's not just my opinion that he was, he was boring. It was top ranked. Oh, no, opinion, I didn't say it was. I was yeah, telling you about Yeah, that, they, that he was known as a grinder, you know? And his fights yeah. were... Bernard Hopkins was kind of a grinder at times and kind of not that fun to watch. doesn't mean they weren't skilled. And you sit and watch Marvin Hagler's career, you're going to learn some things. Um like that was always what was exciting to me about him was he was the first guy that I saw go from right-handed to southpaw and back again, uh, you know, depending on what B-Hop he wanted, was you know, what he needed to do. Yeah, you know? I think Hopper was as close as what Marvin was in the beginning of his career. You know, he was fighting for respect, and then when he got it, he became very corporal. Where Marvin, Mar- you know, Hagler, uh, after his fight with uh, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, you know, he, he was like, I, I'm, I'm, I, you know what, I'm done with the politics of the sport. I'm out. I'm leaving Italy. I'm not doing this. You know, I'm not going to wait around. And I, you know what? I always respected that about him. I know a lot of f- fans were like, why would you walk away from the most lucrative rematch that could have happened in middleweight division at the time? But I respected that he was a man and he stood his ground. He stood what he believed in, you know? And, and that to me is, is very it, – it's, it's a treasure for me, in my opinion, you know, for you to, to stand and stick to your morals. Where I've seen like Bernard uh, was a guy that would talk about the system and how the, the suits are ruining the sport, but as soon as he got on that tie, he was the, he was the guy, he was the problem, you know. He was he was the George Lucas of of uh, of of of, of uh, filmmakers, you know. George Lucas. I remember George Lucas because from Desto, I was reading about him the other day. How he used to talk about how you know the the investors and and the, the guys with the money ruined filmmaking because they did they they were the ones that were able to make the decisions but then as soon as he was the guy after star wars he became the guy it turned out to be he started ruining it that that's to me if you want to sum up bernard hopkins career that's how it ended up in my opinion you know 
I don't know why we're going. But anyways, we're way off subject here on that. But well, well, I think though, uh, you know, uh, was it Marvin Hagler that said, you know, it's hard to get up and do your do your running, you know, in, in silk sheets. And uh, I think he was sp- speaking of Sugar Ray Leonard, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't see I didn't see that with Triple G. I mean, I think you know he's a guy battening it down. Much able talked or whatever. Likes Jonathan Banks is a lot more low key. Um, I think Banks got him to to do some new things, or at least remember to do some old things. If you watch Triple G amateur stuff, um, he moved his upper body a little bit more. Was a little more mobile with his legs. Um, you know, what I liked was that he was remembering to do that, but it was in spots. You could see it's beginning. It's not complete yet what they're trying to do together. Um, so I, I think, you know, he looked fine to me. I didn't see an older guy. It is interesting that people are already saying like, Oh, I've, I've heard that from a few people. Like he's waiting him out. And I'm like, Canelo's already fought him twice. So, I mean, maybe he is waiting him out, but I mean, uh, you know, too freaking bad. That's just the way it you goes. Know, Your I'm- guy didn't do enough to win the fight. He d- well, doesn't get to dictate. That's boxing. Go do something to put you in the driver's seat. You know, here's my even my my point of view of this. Okay, if I'm Team Canelo, if I'm in that team, and my now my mission is to solely make your my fighter believe that your 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 career revolves around Gennady Golovkin. Like winning over the fans, then that guy ends up now just solely being prepared for Gennady Golovkin. That when he decides to venture off and fight anybody else, guess what? He's not going to be able to do anything because now he's he's got muscle muscle memory only for Triple G. I like what the uh, Reynoso and them are doing. I like that Canelo and them are saying like, dude, we're not going to just stick and wait for this one guy every single time. You know, we're going to do other things. We're going to, you know, test the waters at 168. We're going to fight other guys. I'm going to go after Danny Jacobs, who's considered the second best middleweight and also had a, had a, had a strap. That's what we're going to do. If you're a trainer, that's what you want your guy to do. I don't know what Banks is telling Gennady Golovkin because, you know, I think that at this point of pinnacle of, of Golovkin's career, he's, he's the, you know, the driver in the seat. But if I'm on that part of the team, I, I would start looking for other options and not for my fighter to be obsessed with one style, one guy. Because then you become stale. You know? Now, now you're only focused on fighting a style that you believe that you either beat or you didn't. It, it, you know, it's a tricky game. There's only so much, you know, time frame you have in your career. So why be haunted and obsessed with one particular fighter? Why not continue the the mission that you had in the beginning, which is all the belts? That's what I don't understand is, is why everybody wants to drop that storyline. Now that it's you know I mean like Sergio Martinez had a belt had his belt his his thing was you know he wanted Pacquiao, although he eventually said that guy's too small. Uh, but I definitely want uh, you know to fight Mayweather. He kind of got a little obsessed with that. Then Chavez Jr. stole his belt with help from top rank in HBO. And so his mission had to change, and he, he wanted to regain that title. Um, he was still the middleweight champion. You know, he that. 
it's you know like his mission changed but it kind of stayed the same and like you know it became what it became you know like sometimes the the belt and and the the campaign kind of reveal itself and dictate itself to you um Golovkin had a very clear mission almost had all the belts had an elusive guy and Bill, Billy Joe Saunders who's elusive in and out of the ring that they they couldn't eventually get there uh you know and now Andre has that belt another elusive guy the the tallest middleweight, and he's a southpaw. He can punch. He can box uh, quite well. His defense is very good. Um, I, I want to see that fight. You know, the mission should still be all the belts. I mean, if I'm DAZN, I pick that up. This is, was your campaign. Uh, you still have a chance. Like, there's a chance to get it all in one fell swoop. Or, you know, he, he beats Canelo. Well, what happens if he beats Canelo? Now they're a draw, and then they're one and one. So then we got to do four. Those are the only fights we get to see these guys do. We have to do that fight immediately because Triple G's getting old. You know what I mean? I don't Groundhog think he wins Day, that. buddy. It does, yeah, don't, does I don't just, have to change their name to Groundhog App. <laughs> Somebody needs to fight Andre. Uh, you know, and I misspoke earlier because, you know, Danny had the WBA belt and was sharing it with, with, I believe, Triple G. They cleared that up. Danny picked up the IBF belt and Canelo scooped that belt up in unification the way that Triple G did with uh, with Lemieux to get that IBF belt. So, um, you know, it, it just here's the thing that's overarching all of this. How hard is it to keep all freaking four of those belts? And how rare is it that the guy that has those belts is also like the lineal champion? So, you know, I, I think that's more sooner rather than later. Scoop them all up in one house. And, and, uh, and then let them get broken up the way they always do after somebody's Well, you're unified. thinking like a marketing guy. You know, uh, me as a fight fan, I don't. I'm thinking I it was a fight see, fan. I, I well, want to yeah. see an undisputed champion. I, you know, I do too. That's, yeah, and I think uh, that's what every every argument that I've ever seen in forums and even on Twitter is like, why are not guys trying to unify a division? Now it's changed. Now the line has moved for one guy. You know. Anyways, fight fans, we're gonna continue talking. I want to definitely talk about. Uh, 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 Dorquito versus Andrew Tabides that's happening this Saturday. Uh, it's a great fight that's going to be coming up. Uh, Fury versus Swartz. Uh, we talked about this when it was announced. I actually broke down the, uh, Swartz, uh, uh, Tom Swartz's uh, record and, and told you the, the quirkiness of the guy, uh, similarities that he has to Fury, and you kind of saw it in their uh, stand-up, uh, standing uh, uh, face-to-face photo op. Um, and then we'll get to some of the questions that were asked for us to answer here on leaving in the ring. But uh, let's pass in really quick. Some fight fans here, man. I'm just I'm just looking at the Twitter feed as well, just to make sure we got any questions. And uh, bibliophile Bradley, uh, what is it? Free roll oh, for life, right? Is, yeah, <laughs> me being lazy. I'll just listen to the podcast tomorrow. Me being a winner. Uh, it's Bill O'Reilly going, fuck it, we'll do it live. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> somebody yelled that during tech week of uh, my last show. I fell out. Um, yeah. yeah, let's go to the uh, the phone lines here. Uh, we'll do it live. 510, you're live on. Leave it in the ring. Hey, Gary. Hey, Dave. Fernando over Richmond. How are you guys doing? Hey, what's up, man? How are you doing? Good, man. I'm glad the heat's over. I'm about to pass out, man. Jesus. Oh, Holy shit. Jesus. Yesterday was bad, man. That was bad, Ooh. bro. And, yeah, well, I, I skipped the heat wave because I was on vacation uh, near Death Valley. So uh, it wasn't exactly <laughs> cold over there either. <laughs> <laughs> I thought yeah, you were going to say not I a good move like, on my part. But, uh, or something. I skipped the heat wave and went to Washington. Yeah. Death Valley. <laughs> Yeah, no, I was in the middle of the desert uh, at the uh, sports bar at the end of the universe. Uh, it was he pretty was great. He was facing actually. death. 
What's on your mind, Fernando? I feel so bad. Oh, nothing. Yeah. He's like, you know, same, same thing that you're talking about, you know, like, with the, some of the people on Twitter, man. And, 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 you know, like, the fans like myself, right, they're, you know, you're going to run into a bunch of biased ones or whatever, right? Like, that's, that's normal, you know? But the people that I'm more disappointed in are the people that call themselves uh, boxing journalists, right? That, right. They're, like, kind of always <laughs> carrying the water for a Triple G, man. They're always carrying the water for him, man. They're always, like, uh, pushing whatever agenda he has, they push it, man. You know, like, uh, Mexican it's crazy, style, dude. all the belts, can only suffice them next. You know, and I, I hate to point out one person in particular, but I'll use Steve Kim for, for an example, right? Before the Canelo fight, he was talking about how he's a young 34, you know, Canelo is avoiding him, right? Like, all he's seen, you know, the Mexican style, you know, he, he was on it, man, you know? And then afterwards, man, after the Canelo fights, they're like, oh, well, he is getting old, you know, and blah, blah, blah. You know, like, they always have an excuse for him, dude. Like, they always have an excuse for him. It's, it's, it's just interesting. Like, I'm, I'm like you, uh, Gabe. I'm 44, man. Like, and I've been watching boxing since I was a little kid, basically, man. And, and, uh, and it goes even farther back than that. My uncle's been watching boxing forever. Our family, right? Like, I, like this sport to me goes to the roots, man. Like, it, we've been big fans. Like, my, I, you know, I could come up with talking about watching Bobby Chacon fights, Chucho Castillo, all these guys that, you know, that I didn't get to see because, you know, they're kind of before my time, right? You know, so I've always loved boxing, and I'm, I've always been kind of, like, colorblind with boxing, too, man. Like, yeah, I go for the Mexican guy, right? But at the same time, man, I've had I've, some of my favorite fighters come in every color, every shape, and, you know, I, I don't really, like, uh, I try to be uh, right is right, you know, like neutral kind of almost, right? Even with Canelo, I wasn't a fan of his initially, you know? I was, I, in fact, I was probably a bigger fan of Triple G initially than I was with Canelo, you know? Uh, yeah, same so, here. You know, yeah. Yeah, you know, like I remember my, me and my uncle were talking like, because this, this is how Triple G really came to exist, man, because for a while there, you know, like there wasn't like a top Mexican uh, fighter, man. You know, it was kind of in between like Chavez Jr. and Canelo, like who was going to be the main guy, the the main guy for the Mexicans, right? That's a big, that's a, that's a big title. That's a lot of money comes with it, man. If you're the main Mexican that's, dude, yeah, you're, that's you're true. really valuable, man. Really yeah, that's you know you, that's we a, did a segment. I don't I don't know, if, I don't know how far back you go in listening to us, but we did a segment here on leaving the ring, Gabriel. Remember this where we, we had said that if Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. and Canelo Alvarez are the future of Mexican boxing, we're doomed because they were a, a, a marketing mule. That's all they were. You know they hadn't proven anything. We had Canelo on leaving the ring when he was uh, campaigning 154, but he was making guys jump up. He hung up on us because we were asking him. Really tough questions. Well, not not really tough questions. Just questions that every fight fan had in their mind was like, "When are you going to stop fighting catchweights, dude?" You know. So when I hear, I remember say, actually that you uh, he he kind of hung up on you, Dave. You kept uh, well, that's true. <laughs> 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 you kept asking him about we what team, do you think is a, I we were a uh, team. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, this guy he's an Orteño. I, I don't know, you know. <laughs> Um, you. Homeboy threw me under the bus real quick, bro. He's like, Look, I was just born in Santa Santa I didn't grow hey, up there. Hey, you, you, you did ex- you did exactly. If we got pulled over by the cops, you'd be you throw the weed in my lap. He he's he, he, he owns the officer. I'm just a hitchhiker, bro. Uh, <laughs> just messing with you. No, but I remember specifically. Dave was like. Uh, why did you keep asking him? What do you think a champion's responsibility is? Right. That, that was the question, and he tried to answer no, but but. What is the champion's responsibility? There, uh, yeah. Hello. That was uh, yeah. 
Yeah, but you know, we're back to that central question: What is a champion's responsibility? And I think he's fulfilling it at this point. Yes, I think so too. The you most know? avoided guy in the division. He fought him twice. You know, um, you know, I, I'd like to see a third fight, but there are other fights I'd like to see. I mean, think about all the fights that you know. I just mentioned for for Juan Roma Marquez that we got because they didn't just go back to back to back to back and just knock that that trilogy out super fast. I mean, Gotti Ward is kind of an anomaly when it comes to uh, you know rematches or like trilogies that they just went back to back, but they were also at the end of their careers. This was the best option for both of them. Um, both these guys have other options. I don't understand why you don't want to see him in, in, in different matchups. It's the same affliction for Floyd fans. I was like, why don't you want to see him against these guys? You, there's always these arguments to not face the best when that's all we want is to see the best fight the best. But, but, anything else on your mind, Fernando? Well, I, I just think like with like Triple G, right? There's like a, a lot of like, you know, boxing medium fans too, right? They're kind of like boxing hipsters, right? And boxing hipsters, they want to be the first one on every corner, man. Like, right now, everybody wants to be the, the boxing hipsters, right? They want to be the first one on the Usyk corner, right? A lot of them are already trumpeting him as, like, one of the top heavyweights already. He hasn't even fought a heavyweight, you know? Like, uh, uh, I have the athletic, right? And they signed some uh, boxing writers. They signed uh, Mike Coppinger, Ray Bartholomew, and uh, Lance Pugmire. Right. And I was reading, like, I was reading the first article they put out about the heavyweights, right? And they had, like, little blurbs on each of them, dude. And one of the blurbs, man, <laughs> they had Usyk as, as, as number two in the, in the heavyweight division. You know, and I was like, are, <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Like, you know, Based on never fighting there, he's number two. Well, wow. And it happens. It's, it's, it's a natural thing. Like, I did it with Triple G, right? Like, I bought – I was one of the few people that bought that pay-per-view against me, right? And I was trumpeting to my friends and to my family, like, hey, this guy's badass, man. Like, you got to watch him. And they would tell me, like, who's he fought? And I'd be like, uh, well, he's not fought everybody, man. He's badass, man. It's going to be a good fight, you know? And little by little, yeah. that kind of wore off on me too, man. Like, I was like, you know, like – it wore off for me, man. It really did, man. Like, this guy is bullshit, you know? Like, I mean, he's not bullshit. I don't want to go that far. That's too strong. But he's not He's not quite what he's been made out to be. The whole Mexican style, was bull- that was bullshit. The hashtag all the belts, that's bullshit, right? And now these guys want to call him out of court, man. Like, there's not even, like, a mild criticism coming from the boxing media. I, you know, you expect the fans not to criticize him, right? Because, you know, they're fanboys, right? Like, it's just human nature. But I expect a little bit more of the boxing media, you know, like to like kind of hold everybody to a certain standard, man. Like to be fair with everybody, man. Like, all I could say about box, 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 boxing media is this, is that we got to stop calling them journalists. First off, they're not, we know. Uh, There's very not few. Journalists. Yeah, they're very few. They're very, very well, few. Say, some of them are like, you know, Doug Fisher has a degree in journalism. Right. Um, those are his credentials. You know, that's the foundation of his work. And and uh, having dealt with him as an editor, I mean, the guy is a good guy. Pugmire is a real journalist. I think even Mike Coppinger went to school for it. I could be wrong. Uh, but I thought, you know, like, I don't subscribe to The Athletic. Um, you know, I think people, if, if they want to support news that way, I think that's that's great. You know, um, right. I, there's news agencies I do support with a subscription. That's not sports isn't the, the information that I could probably that those three people could probably provide is going to be provided by other people. Uh, I'm not that excited about, I've heard such and such fight is about to happen to me. That's not even really news. Um, and to even pretend that that 
would make you an enemy in the industry or, you know, uh, somebody to be avoided. It's kind of ridiculous. Um, I, I've just finished reading a book called uh, 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 Strong Boy, which is about uh, the, the life and times of John L. Sullivan. And they talked about how, like, you know, he's the first sports superstar in history, in American history, um, particularly because of, like, the railroad. Uh, he was able to kind of, you know, barnstorm the, the, the United States and, like, fight in, like, every small town, total mismatches. You know, whatever, uh, he would take them on, and, and it was like a gimmick. You know, I can lick any son of a bitch in the world, that whole thing. Um, but what followed that was a new kind of uh, person, and they called it the, he was the sport. He's generally a, a, a guy. It's funny, something that's gone away, they're generally a very good dresser. Uh, they're kind of dandies, but they knew about the horse races. And they knew about the fights. Uh, they knew about baseball. They were the sport, the guy that, you know, sources have told me such and such. They were the guy that, you know, uh, knew about the betting and, you know, and, and had information that maybe could sway it. Uh, and that's kind of, I think, boxing writers in particular, uh, although, you know, uh, blogging and the Internet, you know, uh, has made it this happen in every other sport, but I, I feel like boxing was first uh, because we got cut from newspapers first. Uh, and that, that person, the sport, the sports fan has become the, the boxing writer for the most part. Maybe not all of them are as sharp, but yeah, the idea, you know, the way everything is kind of blended. Like I, I read Mike's introduction or, you know, I read all of their, their introductions and I, I found it most I guess now he feels fine that he's happy that this is truly independent journalism. They're not, they're, you know, it's subscriber based. They're not bold into a, a promoter, but you know, Mike benefited by working for the U USA today. He got full-time work there when the PBC first started advertising in that paper. Advertising is what makes everything go. And when that advertising basically went away, so did Mike's job. Then he went to the ring, which is owned by Oscar De La Hoya. Now I've taken paychecks from, from ring as well, but I don't know. Just don't preach to me about that stuff if, if that's kind of your background. Um, and then on top of it, you're hosting shows on Fox, but I mean, you're working for the PBC essentially. I don't see you hosting a bunch of other people on there besides PBC fighters. I could be wrong. I don't watch the show all the time. Um, I mean, I just sum it up as they're, they're V bloggers and, 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 you know, uh, uh, I mean, bloggers I don't think Lance is. Yeah, no, you know, I don't think that, but I'm saying the majority of them, you know, I, I know what you're talking about, Fernando, you know, I mean, when you hear a guy, listen, when I hear certain media guys say that Demetrius Andrade doesn't deserve to fight Gennady Golovkin, even though he has a title, he needs to do more. You know what I hear is the guy saying the black guy's too athletic. The black guy's too elusive. He needs wear and tear before he can get in with our guy because our guy's getting older and our guy doesn't, you know, he shouldn't have to cut off the ring. He should be like more of a Steve Rhodes. That's that's what I hear, you know, and that to me doesn't I don't hear uh, being objective. I don't hear somebody really loving the sport. They're loving an individual. And I've always said this nationalism and boxing are the worst. They are the worst. You know, I hate a Mexican fan only rooting for the Mexican guy when even if the Mexican guy's no good or a Puerto Rican only rooting for a Puerto Rican or a white guy only rooting for a Ukrainian because he looks like him. I hate those kind of fans because they don't look at the full picture. They're not really enjoying the sport, which is pretty sad. You're missing everything that's happening in the sport right now. You know, there's so many other fighters to love and there's so many matches to be made that you should be asking for those fights to be made. But then, you don't. 
because you only want to see one-sided fights because you only want to see your guy win. You know, so it, yeah, that's where I stand about it, man. Journalism is uh, <laughs> d- defined by George Orwell as uh, printing something that other, your people in power don't want you to. Everything else is public relations. And that's, to me, you know, 90% of what boxing writers do is, is uh, maybe even a higher percentage, is they're just an extension of the, the promotion. They do an interview before they the are. fight. They do a, uh, a fight report after the fight. Right. Um, they do as many stories as they can or videos as they can, interviewing connect, people connected to a fight. Uh, but rarely, you know, even now, and, and maybe I'm to blame for, for shaming people for kind of appropriating my work. I've scared people away from covering PEDs. I, I've been accused of that. And, you know, maybe, maybe I'll take that on. But uh, I, it just is weird to me that people don't push on the idea of, you know, is there drug testing for this fight? Damn. It just you even threw yourself question. under the bus? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm just it's uh, throwing you under the bus. Uh, I know a kind of day for you. <laughs> <laughs> Full thrown this week from my time in the sun. Uh, you know, you do some psychedelics, you hang out, you think about things, and you, you really look inward, right. Dave. Um, but uh, I, I just think, uh, yeah, people should cover the sport better because I, I want to transition. What, and, and I wouldn't mind hearing your thoughts on this, Fernando. Uh, Cletus Selden versus Zab Judah, a fight I watched today. Cletus Selden has a history, you know, two times been caught by Vada with a TE ratio of, uh, you know, 21 uh, to one and 20 to one. He's also caught with stenozolol in his system. There's no legitimate reason to have that in your system. Um, I don't think there was testing for this fight. And this fight was the main event at the International Boxing Hall of Fame's, you know, inductions weekend. Uh, All these boxing writers, all these boxing people, fighters, industry folk sat and watched a 41-year-old Zab Judah take a beating from a guy that had been popped for having 20 times the amount of testosterone he's supposed to naturally in his body, twice, and stenozolol. How did this fight happen? What on earth is that? And and Zab Judah ends up with a brain bleed for his troubles. Puts in a coma, then he's out, now he's been released. But, uh, you know, he'll never fight again, and he probably shouldn't have been fighting in the first place at 41. Exactly. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts, you know? And, and th- to me, is it, am I wrong to think that this is like a prime example, like a microcosm of what's wrong with journalism and boxing? I, I think it's sad, man, but like, it goes back to, like, uh, the rest, of, rest instructions, right? Protect yourself at all times, including outside the ring, man. I don't know what Zad Judah's doing getting himself in the ring with somebody like that, right, at his age, you know? Like, take me, for instance, right? If I get in a fight with some guy, and I know that dude's been dirty and dirty fighting other people before, I'm bringing a bat. I'm bringing some backup, man, in case I got trying to kick me on down. You, know? you don't – you got to know who you're fighting at all times, man. You know, protect yourself at all times, man. Zab Judah, at his age, shouldn't even gone to – I'm not blaming – I hope I'm not sounding like I'm blaming Zab Judah. But that sounds like that guy's a fucking dirtbag, and he should have never signed a contract to even fight that guy, you know? And that's that's a shame, man. I hope I hope that dude does okay, but that's 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 a shame. All of them, I really all of them are dirtbags. I mean, you know, I was talking when I talked, you know, Gabriel, when we talked about this, I told him off the air. I was like, you know, shame on all the people that were that were involved in this fight, and now later tweeting, uh, our prayers are with you, Zab. Like, that's a little too late. You know, you, first off, you shouldn't even. Have, I mean, we I didn't talk about it on Twitter. I didn't talk about it on the air. Nobody talked about it because we all knew Zab had no business being in the ring. You shouldn't have been in there. You know, um, it's, you know, certain fighters can last, can, can extend their career a little different. 
Zab, we, we kind of saw where he was already headed to. I mean, we, we, I witnessed his last fight. Guy had no business being in there. But it shows you how savage boxing uh, uh, business folks are. They don't give a shit. Nobody, nobody at one moment stopped. Nobody at one moment stopped to think that, hey, this guy looked really shitty in his last fight. Uh, well, why are we letting him fight again? And why are we letting him fight with a guy that's been known for juicing up? Nobody decided to stop and think about that until it's always. Isn't New York one of the toughest commissions, supposedly? Like, they wouldn't even let uh, Andy have a Snickers bar before the fight? So what, what are they doing? Like, where, where's the consistency, you know, with, with that uh, commission? You know, supposedly they're supposed to be. Well, it's one of those, you know, like, if you don't mention it, we won't mention it type of deals. It's always been like that with any commission. I can't just blame one commission, you know. There's always different commissions. They have different rules and different laws. But you know what? Well, if you don't catch it, you'll see. They don't mention it. Remember that, Gabriel? This is, uh, yeah, the Turning Stone Resort and Casino in Verona, New York. I believe it's on an Indian reservation, that casino. Right. Um, so, yeah, a whole other set of rules. There's, wow. you know, like I did that piece several years ago uh, for, for uh, the boxing news in the U.K., um, where I polled, you know, where, you know, drug testing, where are we now? And I polled all 76 emails, you know, 76 different uh, offices, uh, executive directors and, you know, athletic commissions on that are, you know, part of the uh, charter. I didn't get responses back from all of them. Um, but what I learned was that, yeah, I mean, they, they, you know, they're not really beholden to anybody but themselves. And that, that there's not just these state commissions, but there's also Indian resort uh, or Indian reservation casinos. They're sovereign nations. So they have their own set of rules. Um, how the, you know, That's how this fight got, you know, uh, Zab has a name. It's, you know, Boxing Hall of Fame weekend. Nobody was looking out for him. I mean, you know, he'd fought twice in the last two years against dudes that, you know, he got a, you know, a TKO and a UD, but, you know, he fought once in 2017, once in 2018, both times in January. Here he is fighting in June of, of 2019. I mean, there was just no reason for it. No. Against, you know, against Cletus Selden, who has a drug history. Just, you know, I, I don't care that you know, he had a doctor's note or whatever. He says he has a condition. There's just, you know, if you have a condition, cool, but there should be a ceiling for the amount of testosterone you should have in your system. Oh, right, there is. And he exceeded it twice. And, you know, he was doing the testing for training camp. So they just dipped their toe in twice at different times and found drugs or found evidence of drug use. Uh, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. You know, it's like obviously you're getting a little window into somebody's uh, program. Look at his body. His, you know, it's just it just all the telltale signs are there when you have that knowledge. And then you look at him like look at his traps. Look at his lats. Uh, he looks like a testosterone user, which he is admittedly is. You know, it just I don't know. The, the sport just drives me crazy. It makes me into a broken record. But uh, you know, I like Zab Judah. I know Zab Judah. I enjoyed his career. He was chinny in his prime. Why was he going to be any different at 41? Uh, so I hope they don't right. license him again. And, and, you know, I don't know. Somebody needs to write something in depth about how this happened. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Fernando, thanks for calling in, brother. Really appreciate it, man. <laughs> Thank you. Thank it's you. Thank you, brother. All right, man. Peace. We'll answer really quick a question before we answer another call here on Leave a Ring. Uh, one of the questions on Twitter is for Mark McHill. McHill, right? Yeah. Uh, the Swartz. 
Uh, what would be a bigger upset, Fury losing this Saturday or Reese over Joshua? I think it depends. I'll, I'll give you my, my opinion here real quick. Everyone, you can jump in. Um, Tom Schwartz is a good fighter. I mean, not a good fighter. Uh, he's a guy that hasn't been tested or we haven't really seen a whole lot. I watched a lot of tape on the guy, okay? But I think it, it depends on the fashion. You know, the way Andy came out, um, he was a huge underdog, but he didn't allow the judges to weigh in, which we saw on one of the judges' scorecards that they had AJ win in the fight. He took it upon himself to make sure the decision was going to land in his lap. So can Tom Schwartz do that? If he's able to do that, then I think we have a discussion. I think we have a, a, you know, a real discussion in whether or not who had the bigger upset. Um, so it depends on Schwartz. What does he do? Does he go out there and try to be fancy, which I've seen him do? He's got a decent right hand. But I've said this. He's a poor version, in my opinion, of, of uh, uh, Tyson Fury. He, he has a lot of there's – a, there's a lot of similarities. He just doesn't do it as well as Fury. So does he come out and fight a completely different game plan and, and then, you know, give, gives us an apple uh, – I mean, uh, give us an upset? Um, I don't know. And if he does, if he goes all the way 12 rounds and he beats Fury on points, I don't think that's going to be – to me, that's like – it's an upset, but it doesn't – it doesn't trump what Andy Ruiz did um, that this past uh, two weeks ago on Saturday night, Gabriel. Yeah, no, I I I, I tend to agree with all that, and I, I like uh, I like the way he moves. I mean, he's not he's not a crappy opponent. He's any, not. You know. No. You know, I I, I think he's going to be there to win. Um, he's in good shape. He's got good size, six five and a half, uh, 24, 24 and 0, 16 knockouts. Um, he's 25 years old, so he's, you know, he's not experienced at the, at the level he's about to fight at. Um, but he's fought a lot of dudes, you know, with only, you know, one loss, no losses. Um, you know, granted, they're not, but they're not names you're going to recognize, you know, that's what I was going to say. And they're like, you know, 10 and 0 dudes, 11 and 0, 12 and 0. Um, this is a big jump, you know, um, his last dude he, he fought was 17 and one, um, you know, but, you know, we're going to find out, you know, he KOs a lot of guys, 16 KOs and 24 wins. Now we're going to find out, you know, is he only a second tier monster or, you know, is he, is he going to box his way and get Tyson Fury? I mean, Tyson Fury has been on the canvas before. He's not unbeatable. I, I don't think, um, you know, it's, it's going to be incumbent on, on Schwartz to be aggressive, uh, to really let his hands go. He doesn't move his head enough i think you know i think fury can get him with the jab and dominate I, you know he's got better uh i think fury's probably got better wheels but schwartz moves well he's got good balance um so you know we'll, we'll, we're gonna see is that power does it translate to the top level and is he gonna be able to land it and uh, when he does you know will he if he puts fury down can he keep him down unlike you know dante wilder who, who couldn't get that done um uh, I'm, oh. I'm i think this is gonna be a good fight I think it's a really decent fight. I mean, it's not as bad as a lot of folks were kind of tweeting out. It's not a Gennady Golovkin and Rose um, where you couldn't really find anything about Steve, uh, Steve Rose. Um, no, this guy's 25. He's not 35. You exactly. Know? Like, uh, Rose had the record of a 25-year-old at 35. So, um, you know, yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. I think it's a quality match. And it could, you know, it could is, you know, would it be an upset as big as Ruiz? Um Fashion-wise, I mean, look, it has to be how he does it. 
That, yeah. That's the only way I see it. How Schwartz does it. Here's a question from Samuel from Fresno. Hey, guys, uh, who's the bigger puncher in the fight, you guys think? Is it Fury or Schwartz? I, Schwartz. His right hand hmm. to me is a, is a bigger uh, – uh, I mean, I, I, look, Fury's not the, the – for a heavyweight, he doesn't have a heavyweight punch. Uh, Schwartz has been fighting lesser opponents than himself, and, he, and he's able to knock guys out. So walking into the ring, you always got to – I don't know what, Gabriel, what you think, Gabriel, but I always think that anybody that walks in the ring against Fury is always the bigger puncher than him. You know, Fury's kind of shown you that he's really content in outboxing you. He's a great mover. Um, you know, he, he's not a guy that's going to try to land and turn the fight around with one big punch, but he is strong enough to make you humble. He did that. He did that with Wilder. He hurt Wilder uh, in in the late rounds. He did. He was able to hurt him when he sits on his punches. But that's not his style. Schwartz is a little different. He, I, like I said, he's a poor version of Fury, uh, but he's also he's got a nice right hand and he knows how to sit in that right hand. I'm just not sure he could land that right hand against Fury. Yeah, we're gonna find out. You know, uh, I mean, we don't know a lot about this guy at the top level. Um, you know, and, and, and so, I mean, you know, when you look at, when you just box racket, you know, uh, he's got fewer fights, he's got fewer knockouts. Um, but just by a little, Tyson Fury only has, you know, he's 27-0 and 0 with one draw, a very disputed draw. Uh, 19, you know, he's only got a few more fights and he's five years older. Um, you know, he's granted he had some time out of the ring for, for uh, just a lot of insanity and partying. Uh, you know, I mean, a lot of uh, drug abuse, a lot of depression, and suicidal thoughts, and all that. Um, uh, so, you know, we're, we're going to find out what what, uh, what Tom Schwartz is. That's that's why I think it's a more exciting fight because it's an ascending guy. I've seen Tom Schwartz before. Um, I want to know. I, I, I wish there was kind of a bridge between his last opponent and Tyson Fury, but yeah, it's just not the way it goes in the heavyweight division. So, I'm looking forward. Mondo to- from. I, I'm actually, I am too. I'm actually looking forward to everything that's happening. Um, question from Armando from Oxnard. Andy, I'm still shocked from Andy Ruiz's upset over AJ, guys. Uh, I still can't believe it. But let me ask you guys. In a rematch with AJ, what would he have to do different if they fought again? Well, I got to tell you this, uh, Gabriel, because uh, we really didn't break it down. We, we were excited, and everybody that was calling in uh, that week when Andy Ruiz pulled the upset, and became the first Mexican heavyweight champion of the world. You know, with AJ, I watched the fight a couple of times um, because that's what happens when you see something very historical and it's rememberable. You're going to watch it again because you want to catch everything. I'll tell you what AJ, in my opinion, did wrong in the first match, okay? Um, one is he allowed the shorter guy to touch his toes with his, with his foot, okay? Uh, and, and, and if you watch that fight, a, uh, 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 Ruiz touched, his, touched, touched AJ's foot toes and then he would throw his right hand he knew he was in range so aj allowed the shorter guy to close that distance distance so that if that that if he was uh if, if aj threw a punch he was able to counter right away or if or if Ruiz wanted to, to lead his punch well they touched toes and, and he knew he was in range that was the first one second one is aj's uh jab was kind of taken out of the game for two reasons Okay, I've always told guys, I used to tell my, my, my oldest son when I used to train him was that when you have a taller guy and he has a really good jab, 
what you do is you jab to his armpit and his rib. What that does, it initially starts to make them hesitate to throw the jab or it makes them drop that their leading hand where they're jabbing from and it gives them much more gives you a much more open space to throw at the head. That's the first one. Second one is is that when AJ was being lazy with his jab, watch what Ruiz was doing with a left hook. He wasn't even trying to land the left hook to his body. He was throwing the left hook to the forearm of AJ's left jab, which pushed it out of the side. You know, so those little things there, they don't seem like much, but it was enough for the shorter guy to close the distance and to take away what the bigger guy was trying to establish. So in my opinion, AJ's got to go back. He's got to, honestly, he's got to look at the way uh, Lennox Lewis and, 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 and the Kalishkos did it, okay? Is that when a shorter guy closes the distance, well, you tie him up. Not, not in a traditional sense. You tie him up by throwing your arms over his neck and then weighing your, your weight over that guy's neck. So he, it, it forces him to push you up and it wears out their legs, tires them out. Second one is, He's got to be more aware of his jab. He's, he's got to work on that jab religiously, you know. He's got to really work on that jab, and he's got to learn how to pull it back fast enough because that's why Ruiz was able to time it. That's why Ruiz was able to jab him to the armpit and just nummify that. Ruiz's game plan was beautiful. Him and Rubio did a great, great job. Now it's back to the drawing board for AJ, in my opinion. There's a lot of things he needs to work on, but those two things, in my opinion, should help him out a bit more to try to figure out Ruiz's speed. Gabriel? Um, what Dave said. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, I think Joshua needs to, I mean, Ruiz just needs to do what he did before, keep that pressure, um, you know, not get into stupid exchanges, dictate with the jab, uh, own that, that jab to the body. Uh, but yeah, I think you know you're you're right in your assessment. I mean, the, the Joshua just needs to fight taller. He needs to keep it simple too, uh, because for the shots, you know, you're going to need to come down the middle um, and and dictate from from on high. He just didn't do that. Like from the first bell, Joshua was moving around and his lead hands low, and you're just going like, what is he doing? Why is he fighting this way? Uh, what is he afraid of? You know, what is he? I mean, I, I get you're trying to see something, but he, you know, he was it was movement without purpose. Uh, it wasn't walking uh, Andy Ruiz into shots. He was just moving himself into bad positions. Um, so I, I think you know, the, the next time around, it's got to have to keep it simple um, and not have to try to knock him out with every shot. He's going to need to to have to box and and uh, keep it from a distance. Let's patch in another caller really quick, man, before we move on to the questions. We got another question on Twitter as well, but let's see what some calls got to say. Um, unlisted number, you were live on Leave It in the Ring. Oh, hello, Gabe Davis. I'm Ed from the UK calling. How's it going? Hey, what's How's up? Good. I'm doing yeah, all right. I'm good. Yeah, I missed the beginning of the show, so I didn't catch what you guys were talking about. Uh, Rolls and Golovkin fights. I thought you guys were normally alive on Mondays, in it? So I missed the show. But what did you guys think about the fight? About the Golovkin and Rolls? Um, I, we thought that uh, he looks good, man. Uh, you may want to go, you know, if you want to go in depth, uh, the first half of the show is about that. Um, but, uh, you know, I thought Triple G looked fine. I didn't think he looked rusty or, or extremely hittable, like everyone was saying. Um, 
But it's also hard to tell because uh, Steve Rolls was handpicked to make Triple G look good, which he did. Yeah, I thought um, I thought he looked a bit, I don't know, old is the word, but I thought he was kind of getting tired a bit more. Like, same in the third fight with Canelo. So I definitely, I don't think he's going to get any better from now on. And I think uh, the trilogy with Canelo is any later than September. I think it could end badly. I do still think Canelo will beat him handily in the third fight. I personally think he could stop him. I, I wouldn't say, like, knock him down, but I can see him just overwhelming him so much that he could end up stopping him. But the thing that really surprised me on Twitter, the amount of media writers and guys defending him, like, saying that Andrade needs to end the fight with him, I don't understand that, because I think if Canelo don't fight him, I'm cool with Canelo fighting Andrade, but if Canelo doesn't fight him, then... Outside Andrade, I can't think of anyone else uh, we should fight. Yeah, what other fight is there? That's that's also yeah. But I don't understand. If it's not Canelo, well then, what other fight is there? Yeah, because someone was saying on Twitter, there's a couple of writers. I won't get into it too much, but someone made a good point. They said uh, they were saying that Andrade needs to earn a shot, but then. Someone said Andrade's got a belt and Devichenko was mandated. If that wasn't enough to earn him, and guys like, uh, I think he said Lara Chalo weren't enough to earn shots. And I mean, that's why I don't understand why he's so much defending the guy. Because Andrade, <laughs> I think Andrade yep. in Precisely. is not a bad fight. Yeah, like you're, you were all the, about all the belts and then... You weren't about all the belts. You dropped a belt because Dervinchenko was your mandatory. He he did all the things that he needed to do to get in that position, but you just dropped the belt rather than give him his shots. We're supposed to respect boxing all while this is going on and, and the Vanus Smart Erosion fight's going on. And now Demetrius Andrade has a belt. You're the mandatory to him, but he needs to do something to get a fight with you. I don't understand it's, how that it's, works. It's, you know what's really strange is that a lot of fans forget that, you know, it was never really Canelo going, I want to fight Gennady Golovkin when he was at 147 and 154. It was Gennady Golovkin calling him out. Right. Gennady was telling him, hey, you, you know, come up and let's fight and blah, 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 blah. He was chasing him. And fans forget that it was the public that put a lot of pressure on Canelo. Nobody was giving, letting him up. You know, any interview – Gennady Golovkin's name was attached to it in every Canelo fight. Canelo's going to fight this guy. Hey, when are you going to fight Triple G? Are you going to fight Triple G? What's going to happen? Is the fight ever going to happen? Finally, when the kid goes, screw it, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And he goes in with a game plan of mus- getting muscled up, which I thought was a terrible idea because I was like, well, if you're going to muscle up, then you're going to have to stay muscled up for the remainder of your 160 uh, 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 visit, right? Um, they go in there. They fought a fight kind of t- – being tentative because they didn't they really didn't know is Gennady Golovkin the monster puncher that everybody's saying they go in there fight this one game plan and it didn't work out they got I mean it worked out they got a draw but I think in the eyes of everybody that had a two two pairs of eyes and a, a good sense of boxing knew that Gennady Golovkin won that fight so I I agree I still don't think Canelo running running that fight I remember people right. saying the first fight they, they were saying he ran I don't think he ran 
No. So then, so then, so then, what happened is, is Golovkin. It was Golovkin that was not satisfied with the draw, and said, "Hey, I want to fight this guy again. Let's do it." <laughs> right. So Canelo's like, "Well, okay, you let's, you want to do it again because you're not happy with that draw. Um, let's do it because I think now I have a better sense." of how to, how to regulate your power. I have a better sense of how to fight you now. So they do it. And to everybody's surprise, Canelo's the one that comes out Mexican style. Yeah, and now we're, now, we're back, now we're back with everybody, a lot of the, now the Triple G uh, uh, obsessors are saying, well, he avoided him, didn't want to fight him, you know, and he fought, you know, uh, um, uh, you know the judges. It's now it's, it's about the judges, and it's about that he he tested you know twice and blah 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 blah. And it's like guys, well, if I remember correctly, the rematch, you know, um, when when Canelo, uh, when Vada testing found about the clean free roll, uh, he went through all the hoops and and jumps that he needed to to make sure that he was clean and prove to the public he was clean. He did that. Also, he was open to giving Gennady Golovkin more money. He was open about letting Gennady Golovkin ask for, I believe it was the ring size and the judges. You know, so here was the guy that was willing to give you everything. And, and, and now the judges all, as well. Right, right. And now he's asking for one thing, if it's even him saying it, because it was Oscar De La Hoya that tweeted it, saying, hey, we'll do it again. But no, I'm sorry, Canelo did say it. Yeah, we'll do it again, but go get something. Get, go get a bout. Give me something that's worth it. Now we're back to, oh, he's avoiding them. He's this and this and that. You guys, you can't have it both ways. He chased them, and he's still doing it. It makes no sense. And the thing I don't understand, that, that rematch was a normal, like a fair decision. Like, I don't see how any call that robbery. Like, that's when I kind of lost respect for boxing fans in general. Cause, right. Uh, that that was like a normal decision. I scored a draw live. I think I had the on rewatch seven five Canelo. I did not think uh, anyways that could have been a robbery, and uh, Golovkin could have fought Billy Joe Saunders before that, but he asked to have that rematch, and that's when I I kind of lost it. Like I kind of lost interest in because he asked for the fight, and then they just start crying robbery, robbery, and. Now you get it with uh, it's a lot of guys I actually respect as well, but I don't understand where they're coming from when they they try and uh, diminish Andrade's belt because they try and say who has he beaten. But Andrade it's not Andrade's fault that Billy Joe Saunders was the one who was caught with uh, I think it's some sort of spray, and then he had to fight whoever they put in line with him and get that belt. But he's still a champion even though you could class him as a belt holder, but. I don't think Golovkin. Yeah, is I mean, I, yeah, he's. I mean, guys get their belts. I mean, Triple G got a, a vacant belt and then an interim belt. Um, you know, the the champion makes the campaign. Even if you beat the man, you know, Buster Douglas beat the man and then he immediately lost the title. Um, it's all about the guy and what you do with that belt, who you decide yeah. to face. You know, it's it's your campaign. It's how you're. It's the war that you are waging. And, you know, Canelo's been wily. He's gotten decisions that are close. But, you know, those decisions, kind of like with Danny Garcia, if you don't like the guy, then that close decision is a robbery. And the further away it gets in the rearview mirror, it's just an absolute travesty. It just becomes that. And so these you know, yeah. people that don't like Canelo, he gets no benefit of any doubt. And guys that That's like Triple true. G, when they look at those two fights, Triple G gets the benefit of every doubt. It doesn't matter that Ward. throw body punches. Andre Ward, same thing. 
Yeah, um, that's what I tried yeah. to. Golovkin mm-hmm. landed six body shots in the rematch, and I don't, I don't care what. Yeah, how do you win a fight Danny, landing six yeah. body shots? I don't even the like Danny Jacobs fight too. Yeah, the Danny Jacobs fight was close. I thought that's three fights. You, you're not going to get the rub of the green in each of those fights. Like, you leave it to the judges in three close competitive fights. And, and, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. but no one in the in the the rematch, none of the judges got censured. Nobody was like, "Oh my God, what a travesty!" I could be wrong. The first fight, people went after Adelaide Bird, uh, yeah. but you know, which is funny. Like uh, there was a particular video blogger that you, you talked about earlier, Dave, or, or mentioned that that phrase that went after Bob Bennett, the executive director of the New York State Athletic Commission, after that fight, and was like. How do you have this person as your your judge and you know went crazy about it? My theory about this person is that they heard other people on the row on the on boxing beat talking about it, didn't hear any specifics, went in there and grandstanded because when he did this, Bob Bennett replied, "Hey, I looked over her record for the last three years. Uh, I didn't see any problem. What was your problem with it? Threw it back for specifics to the reporter." who basically just repeated the sentence they said before because they had no specifics. Um, but nothing like that happened in the rematch. It was a close fight. A lot of people yeah. felt one way. I, I don't really care about media polls because those polls don't tell me how much those people were tweeting during the fight. That, that, you're either watching a fight or you're tweeting yeah. and, and how much, who those people picked, uh, who they picked that, in the first fight, and also how much did they have to drink argument. before the fight and during it because people do, really do, do, do that. I'm sorry? That's a very flawed argument because I've seen a poll of 50 boxers or trainers thought that Canelo won. So, I mean, right. which one which one yeah. is more credible? I I think I know who you're talking about. It might have been Montero. I don't know if you... If I, that's I, who I, don't, know, I don't know who, who, who that is. <laughs> okay. Anyway, <laughs> I was just thinking... <laughs> I've just seen a lot of people saying that... A lot of these, I don't know, I'm not talking about anyone specifically, but a lot of the media guys or writers are quite biased towards Golovkin because I don't see, I'm not yeah, talking about the guys club. These guys don't care about the line between the media and the, the sports figures. They all just want to be part of a club. They want to say that, you know, get a picture with the guy. You know, they're not covering this objectively. And not trying to watch no. a fight objectively. Maybe I'm taking the fun out of it. I like a good savage fight. I like a clean fight and an evenly matched fight. I also like fresh but, matchups, yeah. and I and I want I want yeah. within a division I want clarity. I want to know who the baddest yeah. guy in the division is, not just based on how he beats up the Steve Rolls of the world, but how he <laughs> fares at the top level. I still I, I don't the think there's anything wrong with the line. Yeah. I still want to see the trilogy, but I don't understand. And the, I'm not saying five years. Yeah. I mean, you know, you got to sign a six fight deal. He's either old or he's able to sign a six fight deal. Which is it? Yeah. Huh. I rather, point. I rather he has the fight like now, and, and so he could get out the sport in a like you know year. Up this two, track. Three. Here's another thing, and I know Golovkin had a much more extensive amateur career than Canelo, but in terms of you know uh, careers within the without headgear fighting men for money, uh, Saul Alvarez has 55 fights and 391 rounds. Gennady Golovkin. Uh, professional rounds, okay. Uh. Professional rounds. Gennady Golovkin has 41 bouts, 200 rounds. And has for a how long many, time. How many amateur bouts did Canelo have? Because I've never really looked into that. 
Um, it depends. I've heard a sliding scale. It's less than 50. It might even be less oh, than yeah. that. I'd have to go back to my original article that I wrote about him when I was the only other reporter there besides the ESPN Deportes people when Canelo was having his debut in the United States. Um, I'll get back to you on that, and I'll answer you on okay. on on the uh, because I'm pretty sure it's in that article, at least what they claimed at the time. It's not as much as Gennady Golovkin. Yeah, uh, it's definitely. Not. I was just gonna say I don't see the same outcry in defending of other fighters. Uh, I got no problem. I just think it's a double standard because even though I was a fan of Triple G, yeah, let's be real, he's been overtaken by guys like Terence Crawford and Vasil Lomachenko and. A lot of these guys have moved up and down whatever weight classes and become undisputed in Crawford's case quicker in less fights. And Golovkin, I don't know, for a lot of his career, people are saying was wasted by the German when he was based in Germany. But even after the first Canelo fight, he could have still tried and become undisputed. And he didn't really pursue the fight with Billy Joe Saunders. To me, it looks like he's just been chasing Canelo around and... The way I think he even wants the third fight. Like, uh, don't get me wrong. Do you think this is true in a way, though? At this stage in Golovkin's career, he's got no. He's not the one to call the shots because he he's got no belt, so he's not really the superstar Canelo is. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think he he feels that he was the man in the division that he's been wronged and it's taken away from him. So he feels like a deposed king in a sense. But the reality is. He's the only guy in that division that doesn't have a belt on his own. Yeah, and he's not really a big... Like, don't get me wrong, he has sold out arenas, but he's not really a big attraction. Like, I think the two big attractions right now are probably Canelo and Joshua. And I don't think he's on that level, but... That fight I mean, with he, Canelo, I, uh, he sold well at the Garden. I mean, I think he, he's he's a legit attraction. Uh, I don't know if, you know, really star. Uh, yeah. on its own, you know, he needed other people. Um, and even then, you know, uh, I mean, I guess with Canelo, he did good numbers, but, but, uh, and that's why he wants to go there again. But, uh, I mean, I, I get it, but you know, there's, there's also like I six fights here. His traction, it, it, you know, has slowed down a bit, but it's because of, you know, I mean, you know, fight Steve Rose. I mean, I don't even think, I mean, he's even his own fans weren't happy about that fight. <laughs> right. Well, there was I mean, a time when I, I was, was when I was told that he wanted to fight three times a year and was mad that right. he wasn't. It was Danny Jacobs' fault that he didn't fight three times a year. Um, what happened? I, did, to that? I didn't like Davanes' fight. Davanes' fight I thought was very bad. Like that, I right. think you lost all credibility because that was a guy who hadn't made one one who hadn't fought in two years and one never fought at one sixty. But I just wanted to ask another question, Gabe. Do you recall the? Uh, test with Povetkin because this was a very controversial topic. I've seen a lot of people say he was innocent, and then I've seen a lot of people say he was proven guilty. With I think it was the Nandrolone test with um, I think it was Walder. Do you recall that case or not? You're talking about the Meldonian case. Uh, oh, was it Meldonian? Yeah. No, no, yeah, yeah. Um, man, that's a that's a whole long story. Uh, I mean, actually, I think. Vada just came out with something new on on Meldonian, if I'm, I'm not mistaken. Um, uh, they basically banned it, Meldonian, just, just yeah. out of nowhere. You know, based on a, you know obviously a bunch of like uh, research, but uh, they banned it worldwide, and then all of a sudden a bunch of people got ensnared mm-hmm. in it. Um, 
it would seem that, you know, it, Povetkin did say he was taking it, but he felt like this was residual. Uh, there's been a new ruling about it. And I, I'd have to, uh, again, I'll, I'll, I'll look it up. But uh, Is it true, though, someone What are you essentially he... asking me? Do you think I thought that, that uh, Alexander Povetkin was, was, was juicing? Uh, was he uh, was he innocent in that case uh, with uh, Maldonian? No, he was, was he, he was using Maldonian. Uh, was he? It's really, uh, you know, it depends on what you choose to believe. Uh, but he was using it, and, there, and for for me with Maldonian, when they banned it, and you had you know uh, from professional tennis players to amateur hockey players to professional boxers getting caught with this drug. Um, to me, that tells me that it, it's it's something that works, and so they were using it, you know, to gain yeah, a competitive someone. edge as as athletes do, because doping is as old as the first Olympics. Um, you know, I heard this story was uh, that he took it when it was legal or something, but right. someone said to, someone said that he passed four tests and then failed in the fourth or fifth or something like that. Right, and so it seemed like you know it was a kind of a delayed effect, and they're they're starting to find out you know that that there are these kind of uh, in like the John the case of John Jones, they're saying that you know they've, they've got these I forget what the exact term they use, um, but it's kind of like uh, it's pulsing is what they call it, where sometimes you're clean, sometimes you know because you've had this thing in your system before that you know it gets released in a fat cell, depending on how you yeah. put it in your body, you you're stuck in a fat cell, and then you're burning fat, and then you know you come up dirty, but it's like, you know, a, a minuscule amount, you know, in a parts per billion or parts per trillion amount. Um, so, you know, I'm always yeah. just like, why is that in your system? What is it that you're doing? What is it that you're doing I mean, that we're not catching? That, that's true. I heard someone was saying that Vada destroyed the results. I don't know if that was for the Austrian or the Maldonian. I can't really recall. But destroyed the I results? He... I don't know Vada destroying results. Uh, they either go, lost the uh, lost the results or sample or something like that. I can't really recall. I was just uh, wondering which one is that for. Because if it was from Maldonian, then oh yeah, uh, I, there was a thread. I I knew a little bit about that, but not enough to to go in detail. But uh, from what I heard, it was kind of something that was being put forth, and that Vada was kind of being thrown under the bus. But I'm not sure if it was necessarily true. Yeah. Okay. Then, then he, uh, before I go, I just went, then he failed for Osterine, isn't it? Osterine has always been banned, isn't it? That's, that's a banned substance, isn't it? It's a star, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a similar, okay. Uh, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, you, you know, if you're testing positive for drugs, you're probably doing drugs. There's no other excuse. You know, a good lawyer can get right. you out of things. Wada backed off on Meldonian so that people can say he was innocent. You know, but bottom line is you're putting drugs in your body to get to gain a, a professional advantage. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> okay, I get it. Thanks for answering the call. Yeah. Good talking to you guys. Hey, no okay, problem. Anytime. Thank you. All right, nice one. Uh, really quick, man. Uh, Fernando uh, sent us in a tweet. He wants us to know hey, what are our thoughts about Oscar Valdez and Gabe Flores Jr. that happened this past weekend on Top Rank. I think Gabe Flores Jr. is going to learn a lot from his bout with Salvador Braceno. Um, you know, you can't always be super spectacular. Sometimes you've got to use craft, uh, boxing skills to win. And that was the thing that was surprised me when I first saw Gabe Flores Jr. in the gym, man. He was like probably like 15 uh, coming to work at the Undisputed Boxing Gym. And uh, was one was how young his dad and trainer was. Uh, but, uh, you know, that technically skills at such a young age. Uh, I love his movement. I love 
you know, his commitment to just, all right, I, you know, I'm not going to get this guy out of here so that I'm going I'm to have to box. It wasn't the most exciting fight in the world, but he's a, he's a young kid. He's still getting his man strength. He's some he years away from getting it, that yeah. kind of strength. So, yeah, he yeah, hasn't grown so into I, it. He's I think still it's a young a, kid. This is one to, one to grow on. Uh, I really like him a lot, though. Yeah, same here. I, I think that, uh, you know, that, that fight that happened in, in Stockton was a well maneuver maneuvered uh uh ma- uh you know matchmaking for him uh and made him seem like he's got like one punch KO power but the reality it was staged to make it seem that way right uh this one here his last fight we we saw a kid that still needs a lot of development um you know uh, uh how how far can he get in the game I, i'm not sure yet because you know i've always felt that signing a kid at 17 18 hasn't always been a success. Uh, Benavides Jr. is a prime example. Uh, Gomez uh, is another prime Derek example. Lippen. Yeah, you know, um, not Derek only the Lippen, body. You know, getting knocked out. You know, I thought he was supposed to get trained by Mike Tyson. And he, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and promoted by him and then knocked out. You know, here, you know, here's the thing is that we talk about them growing into their body. Um, also, they don't, they're not – they haven't even developed completely – in, in mind-wise, like to grasp certain things and, and understand uh, certain, you know, things that they need to do in the ring. So it, all that takes time. And you can actually, in my opinion, you can, you can uh, derail all that, you know, because he's so young. You know, um, you're, you're, to me, I just don't, I don't see signing a guy that young is, is the, the, the most ideal thing to do. Oscar Valdez, man, I mean, he looks strong. You know, um, I agree with a lot of folks, too. They were saying that he's starting to, like, become a one-punch thrower uh, in the ring. Um, It's true. Um, I I, I mean, he looked a little muscular for me. uh, But, I mean, he's, uh, you know, I I think that Oscar is going to be who he is until he has to dig, like, really, really deep. Um, So, I don't know. There's not a whole lot I could say about Oscar. I mean, I I thought Um, thought he was – go ahead. Uh, yeah, I thought it was serviceable. You know, it's. I think he's still growing with the Reynosas. You know, it's. Uh, he's still kind of figuring out who he is. He's kind of fighting like Canelo a little bit more. Kind of takes space. You know, uh, in a classic boxing stance with the high guard, moves forward behind a jab and tries to protect himself. Fights at a little bit slower pace now, a little more measured pace. Um, yeah, calculating you know, his pace is that. That's what I was thinking. Like he's really like. Yeah. Still trying to, you know. <clears throat> He doesn't know the exact – in my opinion, in some of the spurts that he threw in his punches, there was – sometimes I, I was like – it almost seemed like he was overthinking it. Like, should I let my hands go now? Is, it, is, it, is this the time for me to let it go? So I think it's still him trying to piece things together, man, in my opinion. Yeah. It was a developmental fight in, in a sense, you know? He's still figuring himself out and, and uh, with this new trainer. And I, but I like it. He didn't get hit with anything stupid. He's not taking, you know, he's just taking a lot of damage in those in those fights, the last like few fights. Um, right. It's leaky defense. You know, it's it's one thing to have an unorthodox style, but you can only break the rules if you know them and have mastered them. You know, um, sometimes these young fighters they come up and and uh, you know they they're doing it their way, but then at the highest level, you know, uh, really what it is is a bunch of holes in your game well, yeah, that people holes can take advantage of. Them- I agree with you. And just to add to what you just said right now, a lot of them are doing that come up based on youth, not skill, like you're saying. Right. And so some, you know, um, 
It's a weird thing. Yeah, you know, it's like usually it's black fighters that get accused of using their athleticism or leaning on it too much. But it happens in all races, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Oscar's a little bit more athletic than your average Mexican fighter. Uh, and he fights a little more American, I would say, in, in some senses, you know, in that kind of unorthodox style. Uh, you know, th- that probably goes back to like maybe Eric Morales is one of those those first guys that was he fought like a Mexican, had the Mexican heart, but also kind of had a little bit of American to his style, a little bit of, little bit of funk uh, that he could rub on his game. Uh, it wasn't a traditional stance, you know, a lot of times. Um, and Valdez is a little, a little bit like that as, as well. And, and uh, you know, I, I just think you know, right now where they're taking him is good. It, sometimes you can ruin a guy, ruin his nature uh, by, by getting him to think a little bit more. And when he was unconscious and just kind of being himself, he, he was really in the flow and, and, and knocking people out. But I think for longevity with this kid, uh, what they're doing with him is right and slowing him down and taking your time. You know, knockouts will come. Man, let's move on to this weekend. Let's check out that fight schedule and we can get a little bit into that uh, World Series of Boxing. Oh, wow. Which I'm very, very excited about, you know. Um, but I think the, the the main fight that I'm super excited about is obviously against the uh, Dr. On K.O. Facebook? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah, that one too. Yeah, I love seeing that's going on uh, in about 15 minutes. Uh, uh, Thursday, June 13th, at the Avalon in Hollywood, California. Ring TV slash Facebook. Sienessa uh, Estrada versus Gretchen Abiniel. Uh, that's the main event. Azat Hovahana Sien. Damn, I just blew that. Versus Glenn Porras, Super Bantamweights. A uh, bunch of other players are on the card. Uh, Christian Maharas is not on the card. Uh, Saturday, June 15th, MGM Grand, Las Vegas, Nevada, on the Plus, ESPN Plus, and oh, the two, ESPN, I guess the Deuce is what they call it, ESPN 2, Tyson Fury versus Tom Schwartz, heavyweights, 12 rounds, ESPN Plus, Sullivan Barrera versus Jesse Hart, light heavyweights, I think it's going to be an action fight, it's going to be an exciting fight, it's not going to be yes. a distance, 10 no, rounds, so ESPN Plus, and then you got uh, Dave very exciting women's boxing. Michaela Mayer versus Lisbeth Crespo, super featherweight. Oh, yeah. I know Dave's going to be watching. And Andy Vences versus Albert Bell out of the out of Sanjo, actually. Uh, super yep. featherweights in action. You know, my I, background. Am I wrong? Is it time? Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, it's my hometown as well, although, you know, raised in L.A. But uh, six, I did six hard months in Sanjo at the beginning of my life. Uh, wow. Andy Vences versus Albert Bell. Is it time for Andy to shit or get off the pot? Is it time for him to have a really dominant, spectacular performance on TV? I think it is time, but I don't think it ever is going to come to that, to tell you the really? truth. Really? Yeah. You know, I, I, I like Andy. And uh, I think he's a tough, really gritty kid. Um, I, I, you know, I remember a, a long time ago, man, that um, I was going to, um, to San Jose Powell and um, – I remember this kid who was coming in, and he wanted to be taught how to fight, right? And uh, the coaches right away, his name was George, okay, this guy. Um, and the coaches right away, um, they just kind of gravitated to him. And, and, they, and they picked him up, and, you know, um, right away, they, they, they kind of ignored everybody else. And I didn't, I didn't really understand that, right? Um, here I am hitting the bag, and I'm watching this, and I'm like, what the hell? And the kid had no boxing for him. I mean, the guy couldn't throw a jab to save his life. Right. But there was this certain like aura, this chemistry that these guys believe that this kid had that, 
you know, if, if long enough, uh, if he sticks to it, um, that he would, he could go to that next level. He could do that next thing. Um, but then this coach that was training me, Lupe looked at me and he said, no, he's just going to be a kid. That's always going to be there to fill in the space. And I remember asking him, like, why? He goes, having the look and having the factor are two different things, Dave. And Andy, I think he has the look, but I just don't see the factor, Gabriel. I just don't see it. I see a hardworking uh, a kid that's just going to be a hardworking uh, uh, journeyman, um, and that's about it. I, I just don't see that extra. I've never seen it come from him. I've seen him work very hard to get his wins, which I respect, but – is he going to go any further from that? Is he going to be super dominant? I, I, don't, I don't see it happening. It can. I'm not saying that it can't. But at, at, at this, where I'm at right now, where I'm watching his career, I just don't see it. Hmm. I know. What a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I, should, I, I support him. Don't get me wrong, folks. I support him because he's out of San Jose. Um, I was born and raised in downtown San Jose. My whole life, the heart of San Jose, okay? There's people that tell me you're from, from, they're from the east side. There was no east side back when I grew up, Vato Locos, okay? There was only downtown and the west side, and south side and east side were all just uh, 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 fields at the time. So I'm, a, I'm an original. I'm an original San Jose OG. But I support anybody that comes out of San Jose. I support the teams and all that, you know? And as much as I would want to see Andy take that next step, be that dominant and show that he could be something special. Um, you know, because that'd be great for San Jose, especially for San Jose, you know, um, I, I just don't see him being the guy. I just don't see that. Hmm. San Jose is not known for, for, to, for developing boxers. They're known for developing MMA fighters. Unfortunately. And, and apparently boxing writers and podcasters. Um, ah. Yes. Hey-o. And hockey players Hello. now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, let's see. Uh, the arena in Riga, Riga, Latvia. Uh, I believe Latvia, you know what else Latvia is known for? Uh, they're the place that makes Meldonian. Oh. <laughs> uh, Maris Bredas versus uh, Christoph Glowacki, cruiserweights, 12 rounds. Uh, Junier Dortikos versus Andrew Tabidi, cruiserweights, oh, 12 rounds. That's great it's, fight, dude. Two fights that are just going to be crackers, just absolute Donnie Brooks. Uh, you know, it's not going to be. You, you know, let me tell you this: uh, Andrew Tabidis is not the guy that that was. He, he's not. He's not. He's not going to give uh, Dorkitos that that Master Nick type of fight. You know, Master Nick was there to fight. You know, Master Nick was 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 a guy that was willing to to be in the pocket and trade big shots with them and and really make Dorkitos work for for the later rounds, okay, which I thought Master Nick was winning those late rounds, especially the 12th round, because Dorkitas just looked gassed, gassed out. Uh, Andrew's a guy that's going to use his footwork. He's got a counterpunch. Um, he's, he's, he's more of – God, what's the other guy? Dude, I have it in my head. The guy – the other fighter that, that Floyd Mayweather Sr. was training, that fought Andre Ward. Um, but look completely shot. You know who I'm talking about. Oh, help me out here. Somebody help me out. Uh, I'm doing a real long, uh, 
That looks. Jesus. Oh, you, wasn't Chad Chad Dawson? No. Chad Dawson. Yep. Is it Chad, Chad Dawson? Dawson. It looks completely shot. Chad Dawson. Yeah. yeah, but it was Ice. Ice was was training him at that fight when right. they brought him down. Ice, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and that's who he kind of reminds me of is the is the prime Chad Dawson. You know, knew how to use the ring, knew how to jab. Um, you, you know, hmm. had this really good ring generalship. Not not to that point. I mean, he he's not as quick. He's not. He doesn't respond as fast as what Chad Dawson used to in the beginning of his, you know, of his of his of his reign as a titleist. Um, but to me, Dorquito's not the most gifted, you know, a uh, 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 pressure fighter that cuts the ring off. You know, um, if you come forward, he he does beautiful shots to the body. I love that he he's able to throw you know uh, double fist shots to your body. Um, I like the fact that he's, he loves to throw his right hand, he, you know, right off of his double jab. Um, I like the fact that he'll push you back. But with Andre, I, I, you know, he's going to have to find him. So for me, this is a chess match that Dorquito can obviously pay, play and lose, or he decides to be a chess player the way Andrew Reyes did against AJ and make it his fight. And go for that KO and just not give any breathing room for Andre to get to have at all. So that's why I'm kind of excited because it could really be a boring fight to tell you the truth, you know. Uh, because like I said, if if Dorquito doesn't have the right opponent, it, it could be it could be boring. Just that we've been in such good luck with Dorquito that he's fought everybody that's willing to see whether or not this guy can really KO you. And uh, Masnick was man, he was game. I would watch that a, a rematch with that one any day, you know. But yep, uh, who do I got? I, I'm gonna go with uh, Sabita. I'm gonna go with him. I, I just don't see uh, 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 Dornico uh, uh, cutting off the ring and, and catching his body. I just, I just don't see that happening. Um, Dorquito, I'm sorry, Dorquito. Dorticos. Dorticos. Uh, Thirty-three years old. Yeah, like like Doritos, but but not. Yeah. Uh, but not Doritos. Yeah, you know. He's, you know, the the fight with uh, Gassiev was just one for the books, man. Just an absolute war. Um, you know, he's 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 got a lot of rounds on him. Uh, it was last, uh, last fight he went he went the distance and and uh, sets up this fight. I think you know I think you're right. Like if Tabidi, you know, he's going to want to fight at a more measured pace, kind of keep it a little bit long range. But Dorticos is also that's where his power is. Um, I think it could be a long range shootout. Uh, but, you know, Dorticos is a guy that's also, he gets a little bit, you know, aggressive. He's got, all, you know, all that power, so 21 knockouts uh, against 23 wins, one loss, one loss by, you know, late KO. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think he's still got something left in the tank. Uh, I think he's the, the more dangerous puncher, and he can do it from long range. So while he he's going to have to find the guy. My only thing is that Masonic was able to get him to those that 10th round, and, uh, Dorticos, Dorticos, dude, he looked gassed on, uh, going into the tenth, eleventh, and twelfth. So, yeah. Tabidi, if he he's brings, if he find him early, him, yeah, yeah. If he, I mean, he's gonna have to find him, uh, uh, Tabidi early. And if Tabidi can can pull him into those eighth, ninth, and tenth rounds, the championship rounds, uh, um, I think he'll be able to tee off of of a slow and gassed out uh, Dorquitos. So, I don't know. That it makes a very interesting match. But I think you're right. Uh, Dorquitos left. I mean, his jab, and if he follows up with that right, that's where he does get his power from, and he's able to push him back and make Andre make the wrong decision by by pulling back. 
he can catch him. Very interesting fight, man. Love it. Uh, and then also uh, from the first direct arena in Leeds, England, uh, also on ESPN Plus, you got Josh Warrington versus Kid Galahad, featherweights, JJ Metcalf versus Jason Wellborn, junior middleweights in action, and Zelfa Barrett versus Lion Woodstock, super featherweights. Uh, and then a whole bunch of bouts in support there. From Australia on ESPN Plus, at the Seagulls Rugby League Club in Tweedshead, Australia, Tweedheads, Australia. Uh, Andrew Maloney takes on Ruben Montoya, no relation. Super flyweights, 10 rounds in action. Uh, J- uh, Jason Maloney takes on Cesar Ramirez, bantamweights, 10 rounds. And Reagan uh, Desai, or DeSakes, versus Mitchell Whiteweights, 10 rounds. A uh, whole lot of fighting going on this weekend, especially on the plus. So if you've got absolutely no life whatsoever on Saturday, Saturday is your day. Saturday is going to be my day, and happy Father's <laughs> Day to every <laughs> happy Father's Day to everybody it's your on day. Sunday. You know, yeah. you take you one know, early because uh, you're because you're the you know the day father. Dude, so. I, I'm I'm excited for Saturday. You know, uh, as much as I see you guys bitching and moaning about when the Gennady Golovkin and Canelo fight should happen, the rubber match, um, they're just they're going to miss out on a Saturday night of fights starting from 11 a.m. on the zone all the way down to when it gets, you know, dusk. So I, I'm more excited about that. You know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, Swartz, Tom Swartz, could he pull it off? I'm not sure, but I want to watch it. You know, Fury um, is, is, is the most, out of all the heavyweights, he's the most technically sound. Um, he's a guy that, that I, I think every heavyweight should be uh, worried about because he's so light on his feet. But, but Swartz is, is also very quirky, man. Um, really, really different. So it, it, styles make fights. This style could either be a dud, or it could be uh, really fun to watch. And and in in Barrera, dude, Sullivan Barrera back in the ring. Uh, I th- I think we're gonna have some good good nights on top rank and on the zone, man. Anyways, everybody, yeah. thanks oh, for calling in. You know, we got we got two oh. and a half minutes. We got one more caller left. Let's see if we can okay. throw him in. Just, just for shits and giggles. Six four seven, you're live on. Leave it in the ring. Shits and giggles. It's a no call. Oh, <laughs> what's up, man? How you yeah. doing? I'm calling in on myself, man. I missed the whole, whole podcast. I was telling Gabe that I was invited to see the Shaft uh, movie. Oh, okay. it, it really yeah. wasn't. It really, it wasn't that good for it to come I, out on Netflix. It didn't I look good. The, no, the, the one with both. Not like a long time ago. That was a lot better than this. They tried to do the whole buddy buddy. I didn't really like it. Mm-hmm. But, um, Shaft should no. never say I'm too old for this shit. Never too old for this shit. You know, yeah. like going that that lethal weapon route. Don't do that to Shaft. No, I mean they're trying to bring him out as like a young guy. Like it was like Down Street, the grandfather, um, uh, uh, Samuel L. Jackson, like. The son and then the grandson is like the new guy that's going to take over the franchise. But I'm I'm, I'm excited about it. What I am excited about though is the return of of the Gypsy King. How are you guys <laughs> feeling about that? Oh, I can't wait. I can't. I think it's going to be a good fight. I, th- I think Schwartz, you know, has got some skills to to bring to bear, and we're going to see what about his power and his chin at the top level. Uh, but you know, Fury's not known as a knockout machine, so you know he's going to be looking to box. So. We're going to find out if, if Schwartz can corner him and make a fight out of it. Uh, we know Fury can get put down 
but we know he also can get back up. So uh, I think it's going to be fun. Absolutely. The thing that always intrigues me about Fury, especially recently, is that he was just not in shape for the, for the Wilder fight. I mean, you could see it in his body. And the fact that he was able to lose so much weight and box the way he did, essentially out of shape, uh, is pretty, pretty incredible. And what I like to tell people or remind people about Fury when they mention his power, look at Deontay's face after that fight. The, the reason he got touched up like that is because Fury's actually a converted southpaw. He's actually left-handed. So his jab is, like, extremely strong when he's fighting out of the, the, the orthodox stance. So he's not really throwing with that much power with the backhand. Um, he's really targeting the, uh, his work with the jab. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about it. I like, as you guys do, watching guys box. Not always, you know, we all appreciate the knockouts, but I do also appreciate good boxing, and Fury is definitely a good boxer. I just think he's a credit to the game. You know, it's, he's always exciting to watch. You know, we're up actually up against it. So we gotta, you, know, uh, you know, really quick, uh, just, uh, yeah. I just want to mention this, because I did want to mention this earlier. I know it's not being recorded and all that, but isn't it weird that Fury is a guy that doesn't have that, the look of this of a heavyweight champion. He looks overweight, came back and fought Wilder and brought it to a, a draw. But there was really no upset. No, nobody was really upset. You didn't see the Stephen A. Smith of the world get so upset that, he, you know, he gave uh, Wilder a run for his money, whereas uh, Ruiz brought the worst out of, out of a lot of these media guys, you know? I, I just find that so weird how everything was kind of, you know, double stands when you kind of more likely have two guys that are not uh, the heavyweight physique of of ideal. Even he's just a moron, man. I mean, <laughs> I have a tough time when I'm listening, listening to talk about basketball or other sports. When he gets into, into boxing territory, it's actually cringing. I'm, I'm yeah, cringe it is. I remember – he was lamenting the fact, this is just to give you an idea about the hypocrisy of Stephen A. Smith. He was lamenting the fact that there aren't, as what he calls, quote unquote, as many black players in the Major League Baseball anymore, right? And someone was pointing out, well, wait, what about David Ortiz and Robinson Cano and all these other guys? He's like, yeah, well, you know, they're, they're from the Dominican. You know, it's not really like black from the United States. You know where his family's from? He's from the Caribbean. He's from, uh, he's from the U.S. Virgin Islands. Check it. He's from the U.S. Virgin Islands, which is where? Right off the coast of Puerto Rico. So it's like, I mean, get the fuck out of here, man. Yeah, man. Oh, God. And then, and then he gets into boxing talking about Andy Ruiz, the butter bean, and all of this other stuff. You know, what I, what I was kind of disappointed at was that no one focused on AJ's just lack of ability to do something that elite fighters, whether it was Lewis or even other people like uh, Eric Morales, let's say someone who doesn't always get the credit that they deserve for being a good boxer. Partially, I think, because he's Mexican, but that's a whole other topic. That little half step backwards at an angle, whether it's right or left, and then a snapping jab in a right hand. AJ was was totally incapable of of fighting going backwards. And, And Andy Ruiz totally exploited that. One, got up in his chest, 
inside mm-hmm. uh, his ideal punching range. And mm-hmm. two, force him to backpedal. He has how to take a backward step or a half step, maintain distance, and snap, snap with, with their jab and, and, and come back with a right hand. That's what Lewis did. That's what great fighters do, like Eric Morales, others. I could go down the list on it. They're able to throw the jab going backwards. They're able to throw the right hand going backwards. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It, yep. it did, he did expose them. And, it, and that's all his corner was asking him to do was throw one-twos down the middle. And uh, well, Has he been trained to do that? Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, that's the thing that Lennox know. Lewis did constantly. It's jab and step, jab and step. You know, yeah. you could be trained to do that. Line. Listen, you could be trained to do that, but when you're when your mind is clouded, that's another story. You know, when I used to go and visit the wild card, I used to watch guys spin around over and over. You know, uh, uh, you know, just spin and spin and spin, and then start shadow boxing. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, the dizzy technique. Yeah, they you know they train themselves to be if they got into that situation, that you don't panic, and you know AJ didn't even know how to. Uh, uh, create space for he for him to get a breather, you know. Uh, I mean, I mean, there was just so much wrong that he did. Anyway, but you know, I gotta get going because uh, dinner's okay, on the guys. table and stuff. Oh, sorry but, about that. Yeah, no worries, man. But again, everybody have a great, safe weekend. Enjoy, uh, enjoy your Saturday and happy Father's Day. And brother, thanks for calling in, man. Uh, Gabriel, till next time, brother. Peace.